This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to The Blank Podcast, the podcast where we talk to well-known people about their lives, their careers and those difficult moments along the way. I'm Giles Payne Phillips and with me, looking very pensive uh, and now laughing and now thoughtful <laughs> and now staring This would be space. a weird episode it, where you just describe <laughs> my facial features. Yeah. Um, no, I was just uh, closing a spreadsheet. <laughs> attached to my emails uh, which is living the dream not it's the least sexy answer <laughs> anyone's given to any question ever i think unless you're really into accountancy maybe actually even people would like that i don't know cool oh yeah look at that spreadsheet yeah oh, show me yourself look at those stats <laughs> show me your numbers baby <laughs> that's weird um and anyway, yeah i do i think my default I have quite expression for eyebrows, and so I think when I'm concentrating, I look really angry. And when I'm oh, can you move both your eyebrows independently? No, only only this. Well, because I can only do like the Roger yeah, Moore type. I can only do one, one side. Yeah, you've got more control than you than you think. This is scintillating. It doesn't, radio. Work. It doesn't work on audio, does it? Style, no. does it? <laughs> oh man! But no, despite my pensive looks, um, I am I'm I'm feeling pretty good actually at the moment. Um, how are you? Yeah, still warm, even though we're heading into autumn. Yeah, well, that's global warming for you. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a shame, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but that's I don't know. Don't know what you can do about it, Giles. We're just two people. Well, we talk about it on the pod, actually. Oh, we do, actually. Yeah. Wow, that was not even intentional. No, but yeah. we did talk about well, it on the do, pod with right. our brilliant guest this week. We did talk about carbon footprints and sustaining wildlife. Because um, our guest this week is the amazing fine artist, uh, Sophie Green, who uh, I'm very lucky lives really near me. So we often hang out together. And uh, yeah, she's sort of growing very rapidly on the on the fine artist scene. And um, her, her artwork's just incredible. I mean, it's photorealistic wildlife paintings that she does predominantly. 
and um yeah they're fantastic oh they're unbelievable yeah i mean yeah they are photorealistic is the exact uh right phrase they're brilliant and she's obviously gaining a bit of attraction online talks on this episode about going viral on reddit um which is mm. uh yeah it's, it's interesting um and yeah I, and i does a lot of sort of conservation work as well and so we do talk about i'd forgotten that we talked about sort of climate change and stuff on here which actually we end up on a quite a positive note actually don't we because uh yeah I'll, I'll i'll leave it for the episode mm. but, um yeah i'd forgotten that comes up but um sophie's brilliant and and i feel gutted really because th- this was the plan to have be the first in-person episode since mm. the pandemic started i because obviously she lives near you and i was going to drive down and we were going to sort of hang out in her studio and um which sort of tucked away in in the uh sort of uh was it in the woods isn't it really it's in yeah it's in, it's in a, it's, yeah friston forest which is literally yeah, just that's sort of, right um like a couple of miles walk down the road from me and uh, yeah it's beautiful it's a really lovely location and yeah she's got this cabin that she rents out uh, where she lives she lives there as well uh in yeah in in the gardens of of one of the residents there and uh, yeah she's really near like uh, uh well she called it a swamp but it used to be a pond when i was a kid we used to go there after sunday lunches we'd go for a walk through the forest and you'd go and feed the ducks um stuff but yeah it's a really really idyllic sort of surroundings and i think like i, I sort of alluded to at the beginning of the podcast is uh, with her that is that you could i would be you could, the ideal place for a, as a retreat if you were sort of writing a novel or um well any any kind of creative project you're mm-hmm. working on it's a great place to go and get some quiet time yeah so i was looking forward to coming down but um i wasn't very well this week i not a great reaction to my second pfizer um so i've had to stay at home mm-hmm. so so but we made it work didn't we tech wise so you guys yeah. were in the same room and i was on zoom and it was actually incredibly easy. It's amazing what you can do sort of these days with uh, with online pods and stuff. But yeah, I was gutted not to not to be there with you guys. But, oh well, we um, were sad not for you not to be there. But we did buy a lot. I did buy a load of Capri Suns, uh, <laughs> which I was happy about, and I felt like I was an eight year old again. And yeah, I took all my gear down <laughs> That's there. All the sugar, great. mate. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, it was great. It was great to do it in you know for me to do it in person. It, you know, it's been a while since it's doing that we worked out uh beginning of 2020 so yeah it was really nice to be able to do that um there was, something... was our last one yeah crazy yeah. um so yeah it was really really nice to do that and yeah it was great chat with sophie we talked about all sorts of different things didn't we i mean she her background is um has she's been a teacher and before that she was doing uh stand-in work on film sets which again i didn't know that much about um you know and that was really interesting to find out all about that kind of stuff, which is not something that you sort of you hear, you know about. You kind of hear about extras and things, but not the sort of stand-ins. It's quite an mm. interesting aspect of the filmmaking process. Um, so yeah, that was really fascinating. And then obviously we talked about her her artwork and and how that is promoting conservation as well. Yeah, I didn't know much I didn't know anything about the, the her stand-in work or much about it in general, to be honest. But it's fascinating, really. Um, uh yeah we talked about that for about an hour actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> we really um yeah because it was just so interesting so mm. uh yeah a very a very, a very talented individual and a very driven person as well and she talks a lot about sort of making that leap uh into sort of freelance art history um and there's a lot of good advice actually i think for people that are looking to do that mm. whether it is you know fine art or or, or whatever creative field you're in but yeah you know as someone that has done it sort of recently and taken that leap there's there's a lot of sort of good advice on that as well so um yeah and as you say someone who's really sort of rising in that 
in that world really and incredibly mm. talented so a very 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 interesting um conversation and uh yeah very enjoyable one yeah and sophie's just super lovely as well she's just such a nice person um very easy to talk to so it was you know, it was a really enjoyable chat and like you say we we talked about uh, so many different aspects of her life and career and and all sorts of different things didn't we um so it was really interesting but yeah no she's always constant inspiration she's always working really hard and i i you know i'm always trying to um promote her work as much as possible online and she does the same for for me as well so it's really lovely and it's great to have sort of another creative person who's not necessarily in the same kind of creative Mm. field just to sort of talk about and chat about our various different um projects and stuff so yeah it's been great to um to see her you know and go for walks and stuff over lockdown as well to have just have some other creative person i can go and talk to so it's been great yeah yeah it does help it really Mm. really really does help especially over the last 18 months or so the pressures are sort of been on really i think on creative creativity has mm. kind of taken a back seat so uh yeah it's nice to have people that understand sort of how your mind works i mm. guess during those moments um before we get into this episode and it is another epic episode it is, it's a very a long one. one it's a big one yeah so put the kettle on and uh i think i think some of our listeners do them in chunks don't they i think actually maybe yeah rather out walking the dog or driving or something so uh I think however, most, however you listen, really. I think a lot of people listen to podcasts in, in chunks. I don't think it's very hard to unless you're on a big commute or something. It's very hard yeah. to listen to a, a full one. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a nice way of going about it. You can kind of dip in and out. Exactly. Um, but before do, before we do that, let's dip mm. into our uh, Twitter mentions um, because we've got some lovely tweets as ever. I've got one here from at Abby Slytherin, uh, so we know uh, where Abby's. Colors She's from the dark side nailed as well. to there in the Harry Potter world. Um, and she's put, um, I forgot how calming Blank Pod is. I'm still so far behind Christmas episode, uh, in brackets, feeling the nostalgia at the moment of international travel being mentioned when that was the norm. She's put, God, I miss abroad holidays. My advice, this is the best pod to listen to before bedtime. Oh, there you go. So that's another another place you can listen to the podcast. Yeah. You know, we're good for sending people to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> struggling. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I, I always thought that was kind of a bit of a backhanded compliment. But actually, I think for some people, it's, it's really useful to have that, you know, and actually to have our soothing voices talking to them. Well, it's nice to know, actually, that people can, it, we are calming, actually. That is quite, mm. uh, that is quite nice to know, actually. I think that is a bit, that is a big compliment, actually, because I think it's actually quite hard to, to be like that. I think a lot of audio producers mm. uh maybe up the energy i think we probably keep it quite level actually which is quite uh yeah quite interesting never really thought of myself like that so yeah uh, gentle's good i think gentle yeah, yeah. i think that's sort of that's our vibe really so and your uh, eyes are just getting a little <laughs> heavier and <laughs> yeah. breathe in and breathe out you think of your happy place you're at a beach the water is lapping against your toes a small crab is nipping at the hairs on the that backs that, of your that, neck. <laughs> that's not calming. Oh shit, there's a crab on me. Yeah. Oh fuck. Oh. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> oh dear. Enough okay, of that so. silliness. Yeah. Um, I've got a really great tweet here from Dr. Ellen Abernathy. She says, I'm listening to the blank pod. So many life lessons. Really good. Love the different guests. Thanks, Giles. But I'm sure she's thanking you as well, Jim. <laughs> I'll take the thanks. I'll take it as well. 
that's a very very nice tweet indeed so thank you very much for sending that it's uh it's nice isn't it we're very lucky with the tweets we get we are very lucky um, i i it astounds me that we get so many nice messages i don't think we've ever had any don't speak too soon uh <laughs> any negative um coverage from everybody so that's no. that's really lovely I don't. I never see any. If they do, then they're very covert about it. But uh, yeah. or it gets drowned out by the nice stuff. I think. But yeah. no, I never see any. But we'll just uh, block and mute you. you anyway if you do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very easy. But Doctor Ellen, thank you very much for sending that. Yes. That's, uh, that's very kind. Shall we dip into this week's episode? We probably should. We've been waffling on for quite a while. That's <laughs> what we do, mate. That's what I we know, do. I anyway, uh, this is the wonderful Sophie Green on the Blank Podcast. <laughs> Look how summery all, we all look with really? our, our flashy shirts on. We do a bit, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Well, summer vibes. It's now's now's the time for it. So, <laughs> oh, how you guys doing? Sorry, I can't be there. Yeah, I know. We were, we were gutted. I that know, you man. Come. It's just like it's, it's so nice here. Oh God, you're missing I'm out. Very jealous. Yeah. I'm how sorry. are you feeling? Slightly better today, actually. Mm. I slept in this morning, which was great for me. Not so great for my wife, but um, yeah, slightly better, but. Still a bit run down. Mm. Did you but, get the full chills and fever and everything? Pretty much everything, yeah. I felt, yeah, felt really sort of knocked off my feet and just, yeah, I had to just sleep for about three days straight. Oh, wow. Um, Long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am also a complete wuss when it comes to these kind of things. So you have to throw that into the mix as well. <laughs> Aren't we but, um, I know. Yeah. But, but anyway. We're on the Capri Suns. And <gasps> sponsored today. I'm uh, just on the water. Well, <laughs> Last time down. I came to Sophie's cabin, um, she didn't have, apart from sort of fruit teas, which I'm not like, I, I'm not dismissive of. Uh, um, we, we, spent, we spent a whole episode bigging up fruit teas, Giles, didn't we? Yeah, no, no I'm, 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 that's what I mean. I'm not just like I say, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm up for Actually, wait, hang on. Let me hit record. Let me hit record. This is gold. This is absolute gold. <laughs> um, let me, because <laughs> I'm going to forget. We're going to get about 10 minutes in. Right. The lady's going to talk now. This meeting is being recorded. That is not the same as my one. It just says you are being recorded. Yours says this meeting is being recorded. Yours is a bit more sinister. Yeah. <laughs> this, you are being recorded. <laughs> yeah. Watched. Yeah. Please do not say fuck or bugger. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a very niche reference. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Let me just clear. Hang on. I've just put a post on Facebook begging people to come to my show in London. So that's a good start. Uh, I'm just going to clear it. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll wait. Sorry. Hi, tech. So we, I know you're not in person, Jim, but obviously I'm in person, and we were trying to—I yeah. was trying to work out when was the last in-person blank podcast, uh, <laughs> yeah, which is sort of semi-in-person. I'm, I'm so cheesy. Is, this is like, it was, I think it was yeah. back in February 2020. So who do you reckon it was? Marcus Bigstock, wasn't it? I think it was. Oh yeah, Mark, at his house. Mm. I think it was. Yeah. Wow. So that's a year and a half ago. Yeah. Man. It's uh, it's a different world now, isn't it? I'm very gutted to come down because I wanted to come and see your studio as well, Sophie, and 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 <laughs> get out of the house as well. Um, yeah, so it's I'm nice to, I, yeah, yeah. I kind of th- I thought maybe you guys could do me a tour, but I didn't realize Giles had brought all the setup, so you probably can't. But a tour, yeah, of like your a- of your setup. Oh, it's literally just a room, pretty much. <laughs> it wouldn't take long. So what I would say, like, because because we're recording now, so we can say this is the beginning of the yeah, podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. What I would say is this is a perfect 
kind of environment for a creative person that's trying to isolate themselves from the world. I mean, you, I know you've got Wi-Fi, but you could, in, in some respects, you could get rid of the Wi-Fi here. And you could, this is like a sort of like a writer's cabin. I can imagine people paying a lot of money to come somewhere like this and write their debut novel. Mm, I get that quite a lot, actually. A lot of people say that, that they would love to come here to write write something. Um, yeah, it's very remote and I quite like being alone. So it suits me perfectly. I uh, Yeah, I think during lockdown, we would kind of beat up once a week, wouldn't we? And uh, I would get all my talking out in one go <laughs> and then I'd go back to being alone for another week. <laughs> so it's perfect. But yeah, no, it's very, um, very beautiful, secluded place. I feel very lucky. So for, for the listeners, we should probably describe that we're in, I guess, the middle of what is it? Friston Forest, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Pretty so much. yeah, so we're kind of in the middle of the forest. There are properties sort of surrounding the forest. There's a pond not far, is there, down the Ooh. road? Mm, I call it a swamp, really. Yeah, it is. It used to be a pond. I mean, when I was a kid, I mean, this is just down the road from where I live. I mean, I guess we're about two or three miles from Seaford. Uh, there, there, there was a pond that had proper ducks in it and, you know, you go and feed the ducks. But now it's just kind of algae, really, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think oh. any ducks would survive no. in there for very long. It's it's just all green. In fact, it's so green that sometimes dogs think it's grass and they just run straight into it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but, yeah, it's nice. Oh. You know what I'm thinking as I hear that? Community Clear the Pond project. Yeah. Oh, don't. That's the sort of thing that the people around here would do as well. Oh, that's what I would do. Yeah. Yeah. You're one of them. No, I just keep <laughs> I am, myself yeah. to myself. I don't think anyone knows I live here because, you know, whenever there's like events where people like, we're all going to put logs out so no one can park in the area. I just, no, I, I just keep myself to myself. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I'd say be that guy. Although when I say be part of the community clear up, I would say, yeah, let's do this. And then when it comes to actually doing it, I would then suddenly be unavailable. Oh, sorry, I'm um, well. I've had yeah, my vaccine didn't... yesterday. You, you've got, you've got, you've got a you've slight ache. Va- Jimmy, you've had 12 vaccines. What's going on? <laughs> I'm slightly achy because of my vaccine. So you'd be, <laughs> that, you'd be that bastard that would start the idea off and then... You mm. drop out at the last minute, yeah. Well, slowly sort of back, yeah, slowly yeah. sort of back out. I like ideas. You're a great than, encourager. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm a motivator rather than. Yeah, we should all kick off about something, and then when everyone exactly. starts kicking off, you're like, "Oh, I don't really mind. It's fine." <laughs> exactly. Actually, I can see both sides of the story. Yeah, so I think that's absolutely I, fine. I'm fine on the fence here. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> but going back to that, where we are, this is obviously a great environment for for doing artwork and doing your painting mm. um yeah it's perfect i mean not so much in weather like this because it's really tempting to do mm. absolutely no work and just uh sit out on my deck read a book watch the birds um yeah so i kind of do have to force myself to paint a lot of the time in weather like this because i uh, i can't paint outside i have to sort of sit inside with all the studio lighting and my laptop and all the all the tech and uh yeah it can get get difficult to force myself to do it but well i think you again as someone that doesn't really do much i think you do need that time to not do stuff and so i think sitting out and watching the world go by is probably a quite a good way of resetting your brain maybe getting inspiration so i don't think that's a bad thing um but there's a balance i guess isn't there i like to tell myself that because otherwise i (laughs) i suffer from like a lot of guilt i don't know if you're the same giles but I, th- yeah, I know constant. we've spoken about this before. I'm also a parent as well, so that that doesn't help. Yeah, hell yeah, right. sprinkling <laughs> some more guilt on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So if I'm if I'm not working sort of like seven days a week, then I I feel like I'm a massive slacker, and uh, I'm like, oh, I don't do in do enough. Um, 
But really, I, I actually downloaded an app. Uh, it, I can't remember what it was called, but it, it basically tracks um, how many hours you do something. So I was tracking how many hours I was spending painting, how many hours I was spending on my laptop, um, doing social media, just anything to do with work. And it came out, I was working like one and a half full-time jobs. And uh, I was like, okay, that's enough for me to not feel guilty for a while. And then, you know, the guilt seeps back in. But Yeah, I, I, I mean, what was it like with the social media and laptop stuff was it oh i mean scary yeah it actually took up more time than i spent painting to Mm, be honest that Um, sounds about right doesn't it yeah Yeah. i think when you think of an artist you think they're just always in the studio painting and doing the art but actually it's mostly just admin and going to the framers or contacting the printers or you know having zoom nowadays zoom meetings and stuff like Mm. that but yeah it's it's you know i love it i'm not going to complain and say that you know it's just so tiresome because it is still amazing and i i love what i do but yeah i I think that but i think charles this comes up a lot doesn't it i think Mm. like being a creative in any industry be it sort of painting or comedy or writing i would say it's about 70 percent admin yeah and it's it's uh, not as glamorous as and hustling and mm. people think it's really glamorous and you're sitting and you're sitting at your typewriter and ding and you're doing oh and it's oh words are flowing or you're writing a comedy or you paint it's not most of the time you're stressing about like where am i going to get this next commission from where's my money coming from oh i've got to pitch to that person got to pitch to that person and then you sit down you've got half an hour and you think oh crap i've actually got to do some of my the thing that i do it's complete it's just not as it's just not a gla- as glamorous as as uh, the movies or i think people think it is yeah exactly um, you've had a few live shows recently of, as well haven't you jim um, i have yeah for the yeah. F- were they the first for a while yeah uh well they were the first full hour ever um Ooh, which 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 actually well when giles is in the audience so he might disagree with this but um flies by quicker than you think no no it does it does because you think what because i was thinking wow that's a lot of material you're gonna have to not only create but then obviously administer uh and um yeah it, did, it didn't it flew by because yeah because we obviously we're, you were really engaging and interesting to watch and very funny um I'm gonna use that as a poster yeah uh, quote so. you can have it it's fine <laughs> um but yeah i think um it does go quickly when you're in the audience because you're kind of i guess because you're continuously anticipating the next bit and yeah and, yeah exactly well that's good to hear thank you because i'm yeah slightly worried sometimes that it that it drags but um yeah, so that was the first time doing an hour for a bit. I've done a few sort of MC gigs and like 10, 20 minutes here and there. But again, that is like 5% of my life, really. Most of the time I'm sitting here writing that show. It took ages and I was doing a lot of like writing and editing and chucking stuff out and sitting here fretting and drinking lots of cups of tea and getting really annoyed at myself. Um, and then there's promotion. Like trying to promote the show is so time consuming and you send out loads of tweets and you're emailing people and then you check the tickets i've sold five brilliant okay send a few more tweets get some retweets i've sold six brilliant okay get in there slowly and it's just yeah the actual doing of the thing is such a small even an hour yeah such a small amount of time it'd be nice i don't know if anyone ever changes that balance it'd be nice to be more like oh i'm gigging all the time and like writing now and then that would be like the dream but Mm, I, I suppose is it one of those things where the anticipation builds up so much to the point where it, when you actually come to do it you're so nervous and worked up about it and then it goes by so quickly but by the time it's finished you're like oh all of that work like I want to do it again you know yeah oh you definitely definitely get the want to do it again but I had that with the first night in Brighton like wanted to I mean, in fact I had another night the next night but I really wanted to do it again same after the the second night um yeah anticipation wise it's more like 
it's it is a mix of nerves but also excitement like you want to get on you want to go and do it i'm guessing it's the same for most creative people like i don't know if you guys get that feeling when you've had an idea and you suddenly you know you're going to do it and you can feel it in your stomach like that's sort of like i just want i need to go and do this i want to go and like actually get this out um so i get that more than sort of nerves but um yeah a lot of the time it's just waiting like waiting around to do a gig mm, driving yeah. to a gig waiting that's the bit i can't stand waiting to go on stage like the audience like finishing their food or whatever and you're like got half an hour to go and you're like, i just want to like get up there and start like mm. that's that's the that's, i think that's the frustration for anyone creative is when you're not doing the thing you want to do or yeah. you feel like you're, you're about to and that's, uh, the, that's i totally get the waiting thing man i mean like being in a band like you sound you used to have to turn up at like four o'clock in the afternoon you do a sound check at five and then you've got to wait till like nine o'clock and you're just waiting. And it's just, mm. it's, it's, I hate that. I really hated that part of it. Yeah. And I can imagine you can kind of see why when people are on tour and that they go off the rails a little bit because it's just all that. Well, you know, cause yeah. you, you used to do, um, you've, you've been on tour with people before. Mm. So yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's, that's, um, yeah. Ruling. And I know cause you, you, some of your background is, working on film sets as yeah well. i was actually just about to say it reminds me of that because we used to just it was every day it was hurry up and wait we'd get there at sort of like 7 a.m on set which meant for a lot of people they'd been up since like four or five in the morning and then wouldn't start filming until nine um and you know a lot of the crew is sort of go 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 all day but for most of the crew you're just sort of sitting there doing not very much or as I was sort of a standing and double for actresses as a body double I would spend probably 90% of my day not doing anything so um yeah it was just a lot of a lot of waiting around some people won't know about this about you because you did this for quite a long time and some quite big films right yeah um yeah so I basically um for those people that don't know what a standing or a body double is standing in is where the crew will sort of set the shot up on you as just like a body with similar sort of height and colourings as the actress or the actor, um, just so that the actor isn't sort of waiting around on set for ages, they can go off to their trailer. So it's a bit like in Love Actually, there's those two exactly people yes that, uh, is it martin freeman, martin freeman and, and, oh yeah, yeah. joanna page doing <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. like the sort of sex scene set up isn't <laughs> yeah, it? yeah yeah that, that was exactly what i was doing yeah. <laughs> every scenes. every shot yeah funnily enough <laughs> no no didn't get do that although i did get asked a few times to do body doubling uh naked body doubling but i didn't because by this point i've been working in the film industry for years and a lot of the crew were sort of like my friends and they're all men yeah i can't yeah i can't yeah it's all right if you're going in the beginning and that's what you're doing if you don't know anyone or if you take it really really seriously and Mm. it's your career um Mm. but for me you know it was it's great but it, it was never really a career for me because it's so bitty and yeah you just do it as and when sort of thing i mean i had an agent um but yeah, it's it's great fun. It's really really interesting, and you meet some really cool people. And I worked on like one of the the bonds and a few other big ones. But yeah, I actually I still do it. Like I still have my agent, and I do it just from time to time for a bit of fun, just to get out of the house. To be honest, because <laughs> yeah. you know over lockdown, I was leaving the house literally once every two weeks to go to the supermarket, <laughs> and then just staying. Occasionally see me. Yeah, and then yeah. I would meet out of you for a week uh, for a for a walk. Sorry, not for a week. <laughs> that would be breaking the rules. No, we, I would meet out with you for a walk or uh, go for walks with friends and stuff. But yeah, it was just fun to to get out. And I I did a little stint just standing in on Mission Impossible and 
pre-production just for some costume stuff and yeah it which was i COVID think is tests. still being still being filmed isn't it i think that movie yeah it wouldn't surprise me i mean they take a good like six months to film six months mm. sort of pre-production and probably six months those, post-production yeah so. those big productions yeah they're, they're yeah big machines aren't they takes a while but it was interesting though because um i don't it's probably changed now but at the sort of the beginning of covid when everybody stopped filming they set up um in leavesden which is warner brothers um like a covid uh, testing center oh, in the car okay. park so that they could carry on filming and if anybody tested positive they would shut everything down and um everyone had to wear masks all around the set and i was wearing one of those big thick sort of like material masks mm. And I'd just been tested and I was running onto the set because I was sort of like running late after being tested and had this big thick mask on. And uh, they were t- trying on this like really beautiful, expensive silk gown on me. And <laughs> I was standing there and I was like, I think I'm going to pass out, you know. <laughs> you know, when you stop, oh, no. everything goes black and yeah, you can't yeah, hear anything. Oh, yeah. Faint, faint, faint yeah. And I touch wood, I've never actually fainted before, but I've had that feeling a few times from sort of like low, low blood sugar or whatever. Um, and I was so embarrassed because I had to say, like, first of all, I was just like, can I take my mask off? They were like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and then, um, and I was like, I actually think I need to sit down. This has never happened before. Um, but yeah, it was just getting used to it. And luckily the women were really really nice and there was they were actually like we've actually had a few people pass out because of their masks on set uh, right. um uh, so yeah you're right there <laughs> yeah sorry yeah I, just, I think i've got covid but it's fine were yeah, you not right. getting enough sympathy over there jim sorry <laughs> i was sorry not enough attention i've got i've got quite a lot of follow-up questions actually Great, go for it that's okay yeah um firstly how did you get into that and what 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 was your sort of journey into that secondly did you while being on set did you cross over with any of sort of uh lead actors and stuff and have you had any interactions with people like that and that's it for that that's it for now well no i was going to say you weren't the person that tom cruise ranted at um no but i have been ranted at actually by a director a very big director and i was only i mean at the time i was like 19 and my mum had actually died like a couple of weeks before and he ranted and ranted and then to add insult to injury the first AD I mean I won't say say which director it was and his first assistant director um then didn't realize that I was wearing uh, a headset then started ranting about me behind my back (gasps) to the entire crew on the on the radio and I could hear and it wasn't even really my fault it was a miscommunication I'd been told to do something by one AD and then and I just got confused and I was Mm. really young and I was so upset and I went home to my dad and uh, I was on the brink of tears I told him what happened and he was just kind of like so and he was like, yeah, well, you're, Sophie, you're not, you're not a lawyer or a doctor. Like, nobody's died because of you. You've just been shouted at. Like, it doesn't actually really matter, like, films and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, to get back to your first question, I got into that through, uh, weirdly, it was my brother. He used to be an undertaker. And this is a good segue. I must say, not the start of this anecdote I was expecting. <laughs> oh, good time. It goes back to the Undertaker days. Good time. Uh, yeah, he used to be an Undertaker, and there was a fellow Undertaker that worked with him that was also a fireman. Because I think 
but you sometimes get people that do we get both. the retained fireman don't you that have more than one job mm, often right just, yeah exactly yeah so he did that and yeah. um, weirdly my dad was also a firefighter and um this guy worked on film sets as well so he must have had like three jobs um and he was an on-set firefighter so he would just sort of sit around in case there was a fire and he told my brother about all the sort of jobs that you can do in the film industry and various agencies and stuff and my brother told me and at the time I was probably 18 I guess um and so I was like I'll just go for it because I was at college didn't didn't have a part-time job or anything so I started doing that and then ended up kind of doing it full-time for quite a few years um and just getting on films and doing that and then I took some time off and carried on doing it here and there um and that's how I got into it um and the other question is yeah, I suppose you, you you kind of work alongside a lot of the cast and crew. They're just kind of like your colleagues for six months. So yeah, I've met met loads of uh, people, uh, fun and interesting characters. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'll say. <laughs> Covertly done. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a, yeah, really really nice people as well. I think that the thing is. They always say there's no smoke without fire. And I think the people that you hear are really nice are generally really nice, mm. you know. And the people that you hear st- strange stories about generally, that's for a reason. So. Mm. Mm. I can imagine they're yeah. very pressurised um, environments, film sets. Yeah, because it, there's so many people working at the same time, but then mm. you, it, there's so much money and there's so much pressure on, you know, and people are performing as well. So there's all these different, and I guess there's um, different different levels of importance on a set as well. Yeah. You know, the talent's obviously very high up the list, yeah. as well as the, the, the sort of senior members of the crew and all that kind of stuff. And I guess, yeah. It's a hierarchy and it yeah. does trickle down. It all starts from the top. And I think if you have a director that's quite intense or a bit mean or whatever, then, then they mm. kind of take that out on their first AD and the DOP and then that trickles all the way down until you get to sort of like the runners and then mm. everyone's just getting treated mm. quite badly at different levels but then on the other hand if you have a director and it's the same with like a, a company or mm. a school or any kind of working environment it starts from the top and it trickles down um, and if you've got a director who's great to work with then that it becomes a really nice working environment yeah. um but yeah i would say that it's it's stressful um so obviously a lot of money involved and actually working in film and doing the standing in and doubling was what kind of made me realize i don't think i could ever be an actress i don't think i would ever want to be and we were actually just off air we were talking about um sophia miles mm. i was listening to her episode of the pod and she was talking about how sort of cutthroat is mm. and that really resonated with me because obviously i've never done it but i've seen I've seen how stressful it is working on film sets and uh, I couldn't do it. I, ha- I really mm. have respect for, for people that do that because. Jim, it's us again. It is. We're here again with another uh, special announcement. And this one, Giles, is about a patron that we've launched because we love our blank community and we want to offer something extra to give back to them we do we do we love we do love our community very very much and it's lovely interacting with our community on a weekly basis but we want to just give you a bit more stuff more blank stuff because we feel that you might enjoy it yeah so we're we're trying to expand our community and expand 
what we can offer back to you guys for your support. So we're doing what every other podcast in the world is doing. We're starting a patron, uh, which means we can offer you guys more content. So our patron uh, URL is patreon.com, which is p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash blank podcast. And there, Giles, is a range of options you can sign up to. Yeah, there's all sorts of things that people can get from our various different tiers that you can find on there. How many tiers are there altogether, Jim? Well, there's four tiers in total, um, and they offer a range of of things. For example, you can get ad-free episodes. uh, You can get them 24 hours earlier than the public get them. There's bonus content with our guests that only patrons will get. Um, Giles, there's there's a 20% code off merchandise. Oh my goodness, there's even more stuff that you can get that's blank orientated. Um, There's also going to be a very exclusive Facebook group that people can interact with us and one another. And we can talk about all different things, but obviously we can talk about the various guests coming out. We might be able to to give our our patrons some special insights into what guests are coming on so that they can pitch some questions themselves. Exactly. Just another way we're trying to get our listeners really involved in the community and the making of blank uh, and then in the top tier there's going to be bonus episodes Giles yeah and we're even going to do some director's commentary where we yes. tell you a little bit more about the the sort of things that have gone on when we've either gone to record with someone or that the process of recording the, the, the feelings we had on those days and just give you a little bit more insight into I guess what goes into making a podcast indeed so if all that sounds like the sort of thing you'd like to get on board with um and you'd like to join our ever-expanding blank community and also help us keep making this podcast because your support through patreon will help us keep making blank and we would really really appreciate it because we love making this uh, this podcast and we want to keep doing it forever essentially um please do go to patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash blank podcast and sign up to whichever tier takes your fancy I think, well, I think when you're dealing in any business that's got loads of money, same with football, I think, to an extent, then there's pressure that comes along with it. And that can make some people go a a bit mad. Although I think it would be nice, wouldn't it? And I wonder if this culture is changing in the the, uh, sort of film industry. And we have heard, obviously, high profile um, examples of sort of abuse on set recently. I wonder if hopefully moving towards a way where there is a sort of kinder, like the old school, angry directors maybe are being faded out or cancelled and maybe we do get more sort of kindness on set maybe um maybe that's being incredibly naive i like to think maybe that's the best way to get the best out of people or is that just me being a bit no i think i think they do need to have some protocols in place and maybe some individuals employed to take care of people um because of those things it's you know just because of the the mental health issues within the pressurized environment but also yeah, people have got stuff going on in their lives anyway. Mm. Yeah, so I think, yeah, definitely some care. I don't know in what way, but maybe I don't know what that could be, what that would look like, but certainly mm. something that yeah. should be. I mean, maybe it is in some in some cases, and maybe that's something that trickles down again from a good director. They might get people in that, that are able to help. Yeah, it's like you need some kind of HR rep or something yeah, in yeah. your films. But yeah, but then you hear about these stories that come out of stuff that have happened that has happened on film sets and everyone's kind of outraged and like, how did this happen? Mm. But it does happen. It happens, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it happens in every 
every industry as well, not just not just the film industry, but you know, humans are humans. Mm. Yeah, yeah, true. I just, I just, I think I naively like to think that if we were all just really nice to each other, we'd all get on. But I, I know there's that's not how the world works. There's eight billion people, so not everyone's going to be nice. But no, but that's a nice way to be in general. I would keep that up, Jim, if I were you. <laughs> I'll try. Yeah, I'll try. On, <laughs> Don't let the world bring you down, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I am trying. I'm trying my hardest. Um, are there any exper- Are there any nice experiences with uh, with like famous names you can you can tell us about because we we all love hearing about those kind of yeah stories. um who was nice <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i mean we love that like, i love hearing about i love hearing about footballers that are nice any you know as far as i love marcus rashford or, and actually the whole yeah. england team at the moment but any footballers doing nice things i like so people in sort of high positions where traditionally they've maybe a society would let them get away of like oh they're, they're under pressure they're they can be a bit of an arsehole mm. someone being nice for me just like is it is a, is a headline yeah it kind of restores your faith in humanity a bit doesn't it um oh um nicholas holt actually i worked with who was really really nice he would just go and sit and eat lunch with you you know just have a chat with you about in fact actually when i worked with him this was years ago this was like back before he what was it about was it a boy X? was like his sort of big it was thing. after about a boy he yeah, was an adult yeah. but it was yeah. before was it x-men that he's in yeah he's in the x-men films yeah. before all of that and um i'd sort of just started doing artwork but um not professionally or anything i was just doing it for, for a bit of fun and uh he was asking me all these questions about it and i just had a piece of my art actually stolen <laughs> weirdly oh right yeah and he was like, I remember him asking me about it. Like he was really concerned, and I was like, "Oh, that's nice." So he was really, really lovely. And I'd like to think that people like him are still, still nice, even though they've sort of shot to fame. Um, and and actually, uh, Eleanor Tomlinson. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's Eleanor or Ellie. I can't remember. I think everyone called her Ellie on set. She was really lovely, as well. So I was kind of excited when I saw that she was on Poldark because. Not only do I absolutely love a period drama, but she's <laughs> she was really really lovely. So yeah, there are there are nice nice people out there as well. I'm probably forgetting someone big, but yeah. Well, there's some pretty big names to be fair. Yeah, that, um, I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Although actually, I just thought um, when I did work on Bond, um, everybody actually was really really lovely. But I walked past um, Daniel Craig a few times and I thought he was a spark because he's just so normal looking. Mm. He just kind of like, you know, walks around set and he looks like a member of the crew. And I think he opened a door for me or something. Well, even in a tuxedo? No, <laughs> yeah, he was. I, I don't know if it was like, he just wasn't wearing clothes yeah. like that. But they are very smartly dressed, the uh, sparks. Easy, <laughs> 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 <So, laughs> easy mistake. No, he, just, he would just kind of walk around and, and he he opened a door for me, and I was just like, oh, cheers, mate. And then afterwards, cheers, mate. Like, yeah. cheers, mate. And then afterwards, realised who it was. Um, and yeah, <laughs> stuff like that's quite funny because you know. So w- were you doing the Bond stuff at Pinewood? Was that a Pinewood? Because yeah. yeah, I've yeah. been to the um, the Bond. There's a, ma- a Pinewood studio. So I did some work. It's near me. Pinewood. Pinewood's near me. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. yeah, yeah, they've got a big 007 stage there. The, the, yeah. the Bond stage is what—it's one of the biggest in the world, or something. I think it might not uh, be now, I but think, it was at the time. Do you know what? I might be wrong, but I think they've just built another offshoot of Pinewood. Just—I don't know if I'm even allowed to say, to say this, but it's coming out. So, <laughs> um, 
for Star Wars. So it's it's like the Carrie Fisher oh, stage. Okay. I don't know if that's now bigger, but I think I have heard about that, so I think you're probably okay. Yeah, I, I actually auditioned for uh Daisy Ridley's body double. And to do that I had to get chauffeured from Pinewood to down the road where the, to oh, the Carrie okay. Fisher stage. And in like a blacked out car. Oh, right. Because wow. it was that secret. They really didn't oh, want anyone okay. to know what was going on. Um, and I didn't get it, but that would have been really cool. Because to, to, to work on a Star Wars film was on, on my bucket list. My, my bucket list was I want a body double for two Bond girls. No, sorry, three Bond girls. And I did two out of three. And then I wanted to work on Star Wars and I didn't get the. There's still time. Still time. Still time. time. They're they're, they're constantly churning out Star Wars. Exactly. Yeah. Um, So you have to. I didn't realize you have to audition for body double stuff. um, When I say audition, it's not like a you know, it's not like an acting audition. They take all your measurements and photos and check your hair color. Just make sure you've got all the right right. color colorings and height and measurements and stuff. And they'll usually put you in a few of the costumes as well to make sure. This it's such a. Like there's so many layers to this, isn't yeah. there? Like with regards yeah. to all the preparation preparation that goes into putting a huge film together, it's just it's it's kind yeah. of crazy, isn't it? That there's even like you know that you're even getting you know for body doubles, not alone let alone mm. the, the the actual actors themselves. It's, it's mad. Yeah, and a lot of the time because I've worked on quite a few films that nobody knows I worked on because you you just wouldn't know it was me. There's no way you could um, you could tell because it's usually like the back of someone's head or. Mm their hand or something although I did actually I worked on a film that was as close to acting that I've ever I've ever got uh it was a film called Jupiter Ascending and uh I love how when I said it was acting you both laughed (laughs) (laughs) oh bless her (laughs) well I was just wondering what you what you kind of mean by the fact it was kind of acting well I actually got a role um but it was purely because they had they had held all of these auditions and there had been like a whole auditioning process like first audition so it's the Wachowskis directed that yeah 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 yeah. they're really nice actually Hmm. um and uh and this girl had been cast as a group there was like a group of women that were cast and one of the girls had got the part and then she'd pulled out and I don't really know why I had been told that it was because she had got engaged and wanted to just spend time with her fiance okay. <laughs> or something. But either way, the costumes were made out of um, like silicon. I th- not silicon. Um, it's because I've been siliconing the bathroom yeah. yesterday, <laughs> decorating. <laughs> 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 they were made out of uh, what's that? Like a rubber type. Like yeah, like a rubbery latex. Latex. That's it. Yeah, and um, they were made specifically to each girl's measurements in a sex shop. And because oh, she'd wow. pulled out, they now had this costume. They just needed someone with her exact measurements. And then they found me. And so I got her role without auditioning. And the role ended up turning into like five different roles. But in almost every single one, I was completely bald. They gave me a bald, <laughs> they gave me a bald cap. And the bald cap went over my eyebrows as well. So I didn't have any eyebrows. And then they would... It's a strong look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wear that. Is there, is there evidence of this somewhere? Apart um, from watching it in the film. The film. And do you know what? I don't have any photos because uh, I think I lost them all when I changed phone. But there's probably photos out there somewhere. Oh, there we'll was one. To do some investigation. Yeah. At one point I had to be like a dragonfly. And 
there was it, the whole scene was um, it was like a like a, I don't know if I can say it. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah. It's not really a swear word, but it was like an orgy scene. Yeah, yeah. With Douglas Booth. That is not a swear word. Oh, okay then, Jim. <laughs> good, good to know what you do on the weekends. <laughs> That was like when my dad used to say bloody and then say, right, you guys can't say that. You can't, yeah, yeah. that is a swear word. You cannot say well, that. Well, it's, it's like when Sonny came back, sorry, just to go off tangent a little bit, but Sonny came back from school, um, it was the day, the day before, and he said, he said, I can't believe it, daddy. Someone in my class said the C word. Oh, no. And I was like, you can never say that word. He goes, but I really want to say it. <laughs> can I tell you what, can I whisper it in your ear? I said, go on then. He said, he said crap. Yeah, I thought that was what was coming. And I was no. like, oh, I, said, I said that that I said that is a c word, but um, that one's not too bad. It's other c words you got to look out for. That's oh. adorable, though. That's anyway, back to the orgy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that happens quite a lot. Back to the orgy. Um, yeah, it just made me laugh how you heard orgy. Ugh child's play <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, I do yeah, that I'm all really, the time really um, yeah <laughs> no it was an orgy scene with Douglas Booth and so I had to play like this sex robot dragonfly woman thing it's um, quite a weird film I have to yeah. say it's quite a weird film <laughs> I still haven't seen it if I'm honest it's quite a weird film um, but because they had my measurements they also cast me as I think it was Mila Kunis's handmaiden or something wait handmaiden is that the right word yeah oh okay I was thinking that was from that weird series where they like impregnate women or something. That's the handmade. Oh, okay. Handmaid's right, handmaid. Oh, sorry, it is close. <laughs> yeah. Close of you. Um, yeah, and uh, and a few other. Oh, and Eddie Redmayne's servant or something. I don't know. I had all these various different roles, and uh, kept popping up throughout the film. And I was convinced. I was like, no one is going to recognise me because I'm bald in most of them, um, and wearing these like elaborate like dragonfly costumes and stuff. And the amount of people that texted me, like, I think I saw you in, in uh, Jupiter Ascending the other day. But More than once. Yeah, yeah. In, in like five different scenes, in different outfits. I was like, yeah, now, that was me. On a financial thing, did you get paid for five separate? Um, no, I would get I would paid think, daily. Oh, uh, okay, so, so it's a daily rate. But, I mean, so I, I guess was, you were there more days. Yeah, so yeah. The money doing that sort of thing is great because, I mean... You get paid a, a daily fee and then you get paid overtime by the hour, which is usually like for crew. It's well, when I was doing it, it was like 30, I think it was 50 quid for the first hour and 35 quid an hour after that or something. Mm. And they would usually go over time yeah. by like five hours every day minimum. So to, I would get paid quite a lot of money to do very little. It was like <laughs> a, half an hour's worth of filming for me and a full day's wage. Um, so financially it was amazing and uh, yeah I, I, at the time I was I was pretty young um, like early 20s and because I was just working all the time well, and I guess you go got to travel a bit as well I mean I know you're mainly based in England but you know yeah you get to it's quite probably yeah probably quite exciting to, to yeah do that kind of stuff. I mean I, I I wouldn't say I was like the luckiest when it came to filming on location because some people that work in film like the, the the crucial crew roles, they they go out wherever they film. You know, like someone that I know is who is Johnny Depp's um, stand-in. He goes out with him to Australia to film Pirates of the Caribbean and stuff like that. Um, but I got Devon, so <laughs> <laughs> lucky me. <laughs> yeah, but it was fun. You know, we got really excited and we had a big 
we all got put up in hotels, but some guy, some crew member got put up in a, a whole cottage by himself for some reason. So oh. he had a big cottage party on one of the nights. Uh, I like to think that Johnny Depp's Amazing. body double gets to just hang around with Johnny Depp all the time. They're like good mates and, you know, they, no. they hang out. Um, that's what I've, I've got in my head now that, that they just, yeah, they're just like really good buddies. And well, they... you'd love, wouldn't that be nice? But I think the reality is that Johnny Depp does a film and this guy just keeps popping up yeah, on every it. single film that he works <laughs> You can't get rid of him. Yeah, he's like, who's this guy? <laughs> no, he's a nice guy. Johnny Depp and his body double, uh, sorry, his stand-in are both very, very nice people. But yeah, It is, it is fascinating, especially if mm. you're someone that likes movies to kind of get a peek behind the process of it. And as you were talking earlier about... Um, you know, the, just the process of it and how long it takes. And people don't realise that crew are there for ages. Mm. And then, of course, there's post-production and editing goes on and blah, blah, blah. Mm. <laughs> and then you get some movies that come out and they go through this massive process and you've filmed and you've like, you, it's come from writing and pre-production, filming, post-production. And it comes out and then the movie is fucking terrible. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you've been through this whole process. It's taken years to make this. <laughs> how does that happen? I oh, know that uh, that's happened to a few films that I've worked on actually that have just been complete flops. Um, and I mean, I won't say which film, but one of them I worked on, the same film that I got shouted at. I will say that. So karma. <laughs> it was so <laughs> terrible. And even at the casting crew screening, we were all sat there and we were all just watching it like, oh, it's so bad. Oh no, oh, we've just no. spent six months of our lives on this. But obviously everyone's getting paid, so nobody really cares. But yeah, and then you get films and everyone's a film critic, aren't they? And they're all just, oh, that was rubbish. And then, you know, you forget how much time and money goes into it. Mm. But yeah, such is life. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's probably quite hard writing a good movie. <laughs> I'd imagine as someone that's literally writes or produces seven second tiktoks that aren't that good i'd imagine trying to make an hour and a half movie is you know slightly slightly more difficult to be honest so um do you have tiktok jim yeah i i got so i got it at the start of the euros so was that six weeks ago because i was helping this production company very much a newbie i was helping this production company do some tiktok stuff for Mm. during the football and um i got addicted incredibly quickly Mm. it is very addictive have you got you guys on it no no but I was thinking, don't, as don't. Jim was saying, that actually for your... So we will go on to your painting in a minute, because that's obviously what we want to talk about that as well. Yeah. But that would yeah. be really good, I think, because your little um, time lapse. That would be, and stuff. yeah. And actually yeah. people... I, we, we might as well talk about your artwork be. now, but I, I love watching The Joy of Painting <laughs> with Bob. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, it's very therapeutic and relaxing. So I think actually look watching, I love watching like sketching videos and you know your painting ones as well as a really yeah they would there is already um there's various sort of sub communities and stuff on tiktok as there is on most social media platforms and there's already um art ones like that so i think that would work oh, really well actually yeah because yeah, that would be good i didn't get in the beginning when it first came out i didn't get it just in for the, the beginning in the beginning <laughs> of time i just do you know what when something new comes out and you're one of those people that's like oh, i'm not gonna get that i'm not gonna yeah. jump on the bandwagon um at first I was just in that headset uh and I can't um I kind of thought you know it's mostly for teenagers so that's not really the demographic demographic I'm appealing to but yeah a few people have said that and a few people as well have said that Instagram's kind of going more down the route of being video orientated 
That is that is actually confirmed. Um, mm. And the reason I know that is my wife has set up a business as a um, life coach. And so she's oh, been great. working with a few other people who know about Instagram and stuff and, and the algorithm and all that to try and it's, you have to sort of play a game really to sort well, of play all the, the algorithm. Well, there's stuff now, is there? Yeah, also? yeah. But it is mm. apparently they are the feeds now are going to be promoting more video content than so it's, apparently the ceo of instagram came out last week and said it's not instagram is not for photos anymore instagram is for video oh, content that's sad mm. yes which makes me think they'll they be change a, stuff well, there, there, there must be then another well. we'll be Twitter, i think our, is already our vi- we'll yeah. be videoing our thoughts instead of like writing them down <laughs> well oh, that's God. that's youtube isn't it that's what youtube's been yeah, for the last 10 years so, yeah. just rants about politics and stuff yeah yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a shame because I think Instagram was it was the photo app, wasn't mm. it? That's why people got it, and I can imagine people are going to be a bit miffed about that. Mm. Well, there'll be an, there'll be another there'll be another. I, I, in fact, if if I worked in uh, app startups, I would start a a photo app, like a new photo app, saying we are just mm. photos for those people because there will be people that get annoyed by that and leave Instagram. Well, I think like the social media companies seem to react to the new thing so like obviously you're saying instagram it's obviously seen tiktok success maybe we'll go down that route a little bit we've seen with um with twitter recently they've started fleets which is obviously just like the 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 instagram stories and they've started doing spaces which is quite like clubhouse so there's they're kind of reacting to what else is going on and it's Mm. yeah i think actually the reason i like twitter is because i like to tweet i don't I don't, yeah. well, do you mean I don't want to? I don't yeah. want to put like yeah. it's more stuff to do for a start. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the reason you want to go on Instagram is because you want to put a, an image of something up. So I don't know. Actually, I think they're maybe overcomplicating some of these platforms. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I wonder if we get a scaled back version of each of these things. So, so one thing like Twitter where you can just write, and then a photo one like Instagram that is just photos. And I've just I got followed, or I started following a new one on. This is not a promotion. I'm not getting paid for this. Although if they want to pay, then more than welcome new app called Opon app and it, it promotes itself as a safe um social media platform with personal identification on sign up so i think i think in a reaction to what's been happening mm. recently with instagram op so on op, oh maybe it's op, hop on op on yeah i don't know op on app o-p-o-n but i i it got it came up to my feed so i think i followed it it's not massive yet but that's an interesting sort of angle to take isn't it to actually make your thing safe safety if, if, if an app can nail that then actually that might be the future yeah because there's there's some apps coming out. I don't know if they're apps or programs that um, kind of keep your cookies and your information safe. Right. And um, whereas previously you could sort of like, get you know, prevent companies from taking your information. I think now you can give it to them, but you kind of make money off of it. Oh, I've seen that. I, I saw that on Dragon's Den. Right. Yeah. There was, there was <laughs> a, really? Yeah. There was a comp. The guy. Yeah. He got. He got. Um. It was a really good business pitch and he got investment from everyone wanted to invest in it basically like, oh, it was one amazing. of those ones where everyone wanted to invest in it i mean who wouldn't really yeah but yeah so it was that thing so you basically you go via this website so it's a browser basically and yeah you can make monetary value from the cookie so you can either say i mm. i'm happy for them to have their date my data or, or or not so you've got both best of both worlds really you can stop people taking your data uh, or um essentially you can mm. um yeah. yeah, you can make money off it. Which one would you do? Do you know? I really I looked at it and I downloaded the the browser. Actually, 
I was I was oh. thinking like doing the money one, but I, I don't know why I didn't I didn't go through with it in the end. What are you searching that you don't want people to know? About? <laughs> 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 that was a loaded question. Or, pro- probably uh, orgies. Yeah, orgies. Yeah, orgies. <laughs> um, definitely. Um, no, it was. Yes, yeah, it was interesting. Is this generate? That yes, called? that's it. Oh. Generate. Yeah. 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 In- oh, we are promoting a lot of apps, aren't we? Yeah. Episode. Yeah. Interesting. Any you know, I, I, yeah. If anyone else wants to uh, get promoted. Um, interesting idea. I, I, I do think we're at a time now where companies are going to be a bit, have to be a bit more, I was going to say savvy. I don't mean savvy, but a, a sort of con- conscious of their users' data and mental mm. health. And I think that's always, almost going to become as, as important as going viral and sharing and stuff. Like I think, actually, I actually think the currency of going viral doesn't mean as much to anyone anyone else because really going viral doesn't get you much on most of these platforms to be honest you you know what i mean going viral on tiktok doesn't get you anything going viral on twitter gets you a few it likes get, and stuff i think it gets you a lot of um like trolls mm. <laughs> yeah it was be actually because i went viral on reddit a few weeks ago i think did i tell you about oh that? yeah so you yeah because really? so sophie was telling me about reddit because i've not i mean i occasionally go on there to um get some advice on like a, a yeah. bit of machinery that's mm. not working yeah. or something um but then you so were reddit saying, for anyone that doesn't know is basically it's like mm. you can there's subreddits it's a, for, it's a big for forum isn't it it's a big forum biggest in the world and there's a subreddit for literally everything so if you need yeah. advice on how to fix your laptop or mm. yeah glass blowing i've just said that because my glasses here or anything like that then <laughs> yeah yeah so that's really random isn't it the benefits um, from drinking capri sun you know what yeah it, literally i bet there is yeah. one like that so yeah but i didn't realize you can go you can go viral on it Apparently so, yeah. So I just posted, uh, so someone, one of my followers on Instagram, actually, he's a a photographer, and he messaged me and said, oh, have you thought about posting on Reddit? And so I was like, oh, I'll give it a go and uh, posted. He told me which page to post it on. I think it was just like uh, pics or something. And then, yeah, it was was just blowing up and it got to like, I don't know, 55,000 likes or something, which is quite wow. a lot for Reddit, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it made it to the homepage of Reddit. So I was getting texts from people like, oh, I've just seen you on Reddit. And it, like my friend te- sent me a screenshot and his boss had texted him saying, isn't this your friend? <laughs> and a <laughs> screenshot of me on the homepage. But there was loads of really nice comments, but so many abusive, like horrible, horrible comments which was so outlandish, it kind of wasn't even touching. It wasn't even kind of, it was just going over my head because I was like, well, I know that's not true. And I know that, you know, I don't. I don't. Yeah. It was just bizarre. It was really bizarre. Um, so, yeah, that was interesting. But it made me realise, actually, how easy it is for sort of celebrities. I know that getting 50,000 likes on Reddit isn't the same, isn't the same as being a celebrity, but it just made me realise if people can be that mean about someone just because they've got to the front page of reddit how easy it is for celebrities to to yeah like get you know all these trolls and people and the press and people turning against them and stuff like that Make I, me well i would mm-hmm. say yeah i would say looking up from the the few celebrities i follow on twitter for example that if you know, the big ones or, or certainly ones that may be a little bit more dis- divisive they will probably get 50 percent of people saying they agree or they think they're great and then 50% of people saying they're horrible and they mm. you know they they hate them and oh. i can imagine like that 50% of horrible stuff is pretty 
hard to take. It must take its toll. Yeah. yeah. Even the stuff, the comments that I was get, the, that I was getting, they were horrible and didn't really touch a nerve with me because I. I don't know if, because for example, if someone's like, you're such a whore, I'd be like, well, I don't think I am. So it doesn't really affect me that much. Um, but well, also, it's not in context of what you're doing, is it? So no. you have no. a painting and then someone like, says, and also yeah. you That's don't just, know, you don't yeah. know me. No. And I was like, this is a picture of a whale shark. So <laughs> you calling me a whore doesn't really like have an effect. But even my, I said to my friends, oh, it's been great though, because I've made loads of sales today. And they were like, oh, you should do that more often. And I was kind of like, do you know what? I think I would only be able to do it about once a month just mm. for my own ego. Like, I don't think I could take that many abusive comments that often yeah. i think i said that to you as well yeah I? I think i mean if the, if it was someone saying oh your picture's really shit and you're really shit at what you mm. do that right. would be obviously much more effective for you but someone just sort of swearing at mm. you or saying yeah. something abusive that's not in, like i say not in context maybe yeah. can, it's maybe it's not nice but it's maybe easier to brush that side a little bit yeah but i did see that though the other day on reddit actually i think reddit must be particularly bad for it it's a little bit more anonymous i think mm. reddit because a lot of people don't have their real information or real pictures or anything. So you can essentially just become like a keyboard warrior. But some girl had posted a big picture of a painting she'd done. And, you know, it was clear that she was just giving it a go and she wanted some feedback. And people were being so horrible about her artwork. And I was just thinking, oh, my God, if people were saying that about my artwork, I would just be crying. Um, but, yeah, bless her. Mm-hmm. She she was taking but- it in her stride. Well, fair play to her because that is that one, especially I think humans in general, but especially creative people, we are um soft under the skin, I think, and we mm. do we do take that stuff on board, um, even if we try not to. And 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 it is coming from a non of people who don't actually really care, they just want to they want an interaction. Mm. Like these people would never walk past the gallery and say to the artist, That's fucking shit, mate. They just wouldn't mm. say anything. The, yeah. the balls to do that not that you should have the balls to do that either way but like it's a it's a very weird interaction that these people feel like they want to do that and get a reaction i don't i don't know it's an odd it's an odd offshoot of society that social media has created mm, i think kind of trolls yeah i mm. think i have a, a like a theory about this i reckon that there is you know when when you get a little shot of endorphins when someone says something nice Mm. you know i think that there's something in some people's brains that gives them that same was it serotonin or something something that Mm. makes you feel almost like dopamine isn't it so dopamine is the the feel good kind of right so i guess i don't know what i was talking about but yeah 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 serotonin is also good and i only know that because no wait is it the good or the bad one because when you when you're having kids, they say you want them to have the serotonin before bed. I can't remember. It helps you sleep, <clears throat> I think. Yeah, serotonin. Right, good. that's yeah. that's right. Yeah, right. and then but if they get so that's the stuff tired. that kicks in after you kind of orgasm. Um, serotonin, I, I think. Charles, stop bringing it back to orgies. I can't help it. Seriously, uh, <laughs> um, but endorphins. But and I think you're right. I think there is yeah. a similar dopamine rush that you get from a like. You probably get from someone, um, you know, reacting to your nasty comment. Right, yeah, or somebody, yeah, or from from just the drama. You know, some people yeah. love, <laughs> yeah. love yeah. drama. I yeah. think it's it's that. That's what makes people do stuff like that. Because otherwise, what? Like, why? What? What is the point? It's just a complete stranger. Well, yeah, there must be something. Yeah, definitely, there must be something in it for the people doing it. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. Or is it like a sort of badge of honor thing? So then, other trolls see it. 
you know i mean it's like sort of showing to the other troll community i don't know if that's a thing it's like oh look at me i, I always, shot down this person i never thought then... about them being a community i always think they're sort of lone wolves that mm. do this kind of stuff but... i don't know i know i i, I see it on football twitter it, there mm. there is definitely a culture of mm. it was almost a oh. troll community and they all pile it, in on the same people and then like each other's troll comments and it's uh, all it kind of reminds me of you know in the bfg with all the horrible giants mm. and they're almost like part of this community but then they all get into fights with each other and yeah. stuff it's like yeah. that. they're just yeah. savages yeah 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 it's weird. It is. i'd much rather be the bfg though <laughs> I think, yeah, okay. Sophie, so that's good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I wonder if going down this route of identification and stuff is the way out of it and i know that's more of a it's more of a debate for a, you know another another time but it'll be interesting to see because it does feel like now really is a boiling point where something is going to have to be done you know the racist abuse that the england footballers not just got after the final but footballers get in general i mean thierry on lee thierry Henry left twitter before the euros i think to oh, make a really? point about I don't know if he's came back or not, but to make a point about the racist abuse and the fact that the platforms do nothing about it. I don't know. It'd be interesting mm. to see what actually mm. happens because something has to happen. It, ha- it has got... What is the justification ridiculous. for the platforms not doing anything about it, though? What is it? Is it freedom of speech? Poss- I don't know. Possibly. Mm. I, Poss- I would expect it is. I mean, I tried to uh, report someone the other day for posting pictures and videos of them killing animals, like wild animals. I think they were shooting a bison. And... I was kind of like, if this person was posting videos of him killing someone's cat or dog, then that would be, well, it would be a police issue, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, I thought so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I tried to report it and there wasn't, you have to go through, a, I don't know if you've ever reported anyone before, but you have to go through like a step-by-step, What? Mm. why are you reporting this person? What are they doing Are they wrong? quite sort of generic questions as well? It's like, is this person harassing? The, right, the closest yeah. I could get was harassing or abusing someone. And mm. then it says, are they harassing or abusing <laughs> you? Or someone else, and I had to put someone else, but I meant the animal. But <laughs> yeah, there's no, yeah. and but they're glorifying violence and killing yeah. animals and stuff. Mm. And I was actually the like one of the very few times where I've been on social media, my heart has been like racing with rage because of this person's mm. content because they just were just glorifying it, and you could actually see them killing the animal, and it made me so angry, and I didn't. You know the the actual post didn't have anything to do with me. I didn't like it. Didn't comment and comment on it. Comment on it. I don't ever really get involved in stuff like that. Like I don't have feel personally feel the need to like write a comment and be like you should be ashamed of yourself because there's just no point. People like that, mm. you just can't get through to them. So I tried to report it, but yeah, they don't make it easy. The social media platforms, unfortunately. No, no, it's something um, that definitely needs to be looked at regularly as well, not just you know. Yeah, mm. once and you're right. Time. That that weirdly reminded me of. Do you remember there was an incident about a decade ago where the lady put the cat in the bin? Do you remember that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Really nonchalantly. Yeah, it was climbing it was like on the wall or something, or something, wasn't it? Something. Was yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Really nonchalantly, just like mm. put it, in, and it, and it, it was massive, wasn't it? And everyone was rightly mm. really, really angry about this lady. It was yeah. um, because it's somebody's pet. Everyone yeah. go is up in arms about it. But if it's a wild animal, everyone's like, hmm. It happens. <laughs> Nobody seems to really care as much. It really bothers me. Yeah. 
I mean, the other reason I thought about that is because I actually then went to a Halloween party that year dressed as the the cat from the bin. Did you have a bin with you? Did you take a yeah. bin around with you? Did you? Did I you? Made, not you an actual bin. I made it. From, I made it from cardboard. Oh man, you would be so better <laughs> if you'd like actually just walked around with a wheelie bin. I probably should have done actually. That would have been a lot easier actually. <laughs> yeah, think, than actually making it out of cardboard. And actually, it ended up being quite sort of difficult to keep up. So um, were you it was, inside it then? So I was inside the bin. Yeah. Yeah. With with a uh, cat whiskers and stuff. Oh, man, and did you just, did, like, uh, got... did your wife dress up as the old woman? <laughs> <laughs> no, this like is before duo. I met her. Oh. No, but should have done. That would have been fantastic. It would have been no. great if she had dressed up as her anyway, and then you'd met at the party. Like, oh. <laughs> oh, it's meant to be. Well, that'd be weird though, because oh, she'd be really <laughs> pro cats in bins, and I'd be really anti. Yeah, that's true. Bins, well, I'd have guessed. Opposites right. attract. Have you got um, photo evidence of this somewhere. I think it's on Facebook. I'll dig it out and I'll send it to you guys. But yeah. yeah, I can't wait to see that. But that was the time when I got really into making Halloween costumes. Like the year before, I went as an iPod. And I built myself a whole iPod. What's scary about an iPod? Well, they don't have to be scary. Was it it a kind of like, look on like corporate? They're they're ruining music. (laughs) Yeah, there's a real savage take on a music industry. They're taking our information and selling it. You're so ahead of the curve. I'm going to take them down one Halloween party at a time. (laughs) You could go as a cookie, a technology cookie. <laughs> what do they look like? Well, in my mind, they look like cookies. Actual cookies, but like Cookie yeah. Monster cookies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I used to love going to Halloween parties and like proper making an effort. I don't think I've ever stuff. been to a Halloween party. It was just dressing up. It was just like the it was it part, like you know, making more of an American thing to mm. do. They, they, yeah. they celebrate it a lot more, don't they? Over there, mm. yeah, it's big, yeah, big in America. But it, the it only just... time, yeah, the only time Miranda and I've been together, my wife and I together to a Actually, it wasn't Halloween party. It was my friend's Mark's party, Jessica. But we went as um, Elsa and Olaf from nice. uh, Frozen. Oh. But we we you switched. Elsa, it, so I was Elsa and nice. she was Olaf. Yeah, so <laughs> went down went down pretty well. Brilliant. Yeah, that was leftover costumes from our Edinburgh show. That must have been twenty fifteen. Oh. For some reason, when you said we went to my friends, I thought you were going to finish that with wedding. <laughs> I was like, oh, brilliant. You're one of those couples. <laughs> <laughs> we don't care. We're coming in costume. I've only been to one oh, costume party, um, which was Michelle's 30th. When she, yeah, and when we, every, the theme was M, so you had to go something as M. Oh, I went great, as Magnum P.I. Um, <gasps> nice. Sonny was a magician. Eli was Mario. <laughs> and Michelle, what was Michelle? Oh, she was a mime. Oh, cool! <laughs> that's that's really cool. There was loads of madges from Simpsons there. There was about three, really three madges. Yeah, someone uh, went as a jar of marmite, which was impressive. Nice. Yeah. See, see, dr- dr- fancy dress parties are cool. I think if you put a lot of effort in, they can be very, very amusing mm. for the first kind of ten fifteen minutes when you greet. I might <laughs> ten fifteen minutes when you greet each other and go, "Oh yeah. wow, you've put loads of effort into that." Now you got to dance with that on all night. <laughs> Oh, my mate, this same Halloween party that I went as the cat in the bin, my friend Callum, who, who I used to live in Ballam, I mean, he was Callum from Ballam, now lives in Glasgow. Callum from Glasgow hasn't got the same ring to nah. Um He went, he went as some Halloween-y thing where it was like, you know, from Alien, where like the thing comes out, the alien comes out. The oh yeah, stomach. like John Hurt, yeah. So he had his hand was the alien and he'd like painted an alien on it and he had it coming out, breaking out through his t-shirt, but he had to sort of stand <laughs> for the whole party. And he got yeah, really annoyed. That's really the thing because people say, what are you? Yeah. He's like, no, I'm, you know, alien. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, great. And he's like, 
So can I have a drink, but like into this hand, please. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah. But he he's a very creative guy. He also went to a party once as um, like hot, uh, smart casual, and what he'd done is he'd half of his side was smart shirt and the other side was t-shirt, and he had like a beard on one side. And nice. Then, like, on the other. He'd oh, really cool. like properly dedication. Smart casual skills. Yeah, yeah. Smart, yeah cool. he's, a, he's a creative guy, Callum. He's a good guy. Well, talking <laughs> of creative things, we should talk about your artwork, really, because yeah, we probably should. Yeah, <laughs> probably um, should. Yeah, it's, it's been an hour. <laughs> sorry. <could> <laughs> Well, how did you get into it for a start? Because obviously, you went you did, through your journey. You've, obviously, you did the film stuff, mm. and then I know you did teaching. But did yeah. the, was were you doing art before then? Yeah, it's something I've kind of done as a hobby since I was young. Well, since I was a kid, really. Um, so I used to paint and draw and stuff just as a kid for fun, and it was always animals because I've always loved animals. I've always been obsessed with animals. Um, and yeah, when I was really, really little, I kind of, um, you know, I well, I was quite introvert. So I used to just buy like animal encyclopedias back when people used to buy and read encyclopedias before Wikipedia. <gasps> All in Kindersley. I, yeah, exactly. You know, we've <laughs> still got quite a few of those at home. They're great though. Yeah. Like, and Elijah's really into dinosaurs. So like dinosaur encyclopedias are great. Yeah. I used to get like cat ones or whatever. Oh. And, uh, yeah, I just used to read these encyclopedias and draw pictures and stuff. And then, yeah, when I was working in film, I was still doing a bit of art here and there. And, again, when I went into teaching, I think actually going into teaching, as much as I loved sort of like working with the kids, that was kind of what pushed me in a weird way further towards art because I realised teaching is such an all-consuming job Mm. and you kind of – you literally have to spend all day every day doing something to do with the the job – you take work home with you and stuff. And I just didn't have any time to do any art anymore. Um, and I really missed it. And I sort of started to think, oh, maybe I should be making more time to do this. This is what I love. Um, and so, yeah, I sort of gradually started reducing my hours at work and doing more art. And then eventually my art took over and now I'm a full-time artist. Was there one painting that you were working on near the beginning that sort of you thought, okay, this is what i want to do um not really no because you did a lot of commissions did you was that the sort of thing you did to start with yeah yeah i did commissions which were mostly people's pets so that was probably why because as much as i love painting and i love animals and i love you know doing commissions if you're painting someone else's pet you don't have that emotional connection or that sort of passion for it as you would if you were painting like your own pet or Mm. you know a wild animal that you you're gonna help because it's endangered or something so yeah i i think it was just an accumulation of of doing it for a certain amount of years and then suddenly having it taken away from me because i couldn't we didn't have time to do it so yeah i think that was kind of what pushed me into actually making the leap um but by this point i was like well i was in my mid to late 20s so it's not like i I was just fresh out of college or whatever and was living at home. Like Mm. I I had bills to pay and rent and a car to run and stuff. I couldn't just sort of like quit my job and be like, yeah, that, you know, this is me now. I'm an artist. I'm a struggling artist. I had to do it gradually and come up with, you know, like a business model and make sure that I had enough money coming in and stuff. So yeah, it was very gradual, but now I'm here. It's great. I think that's, I mean, first, I think that's really inspirational because I think a lot of people would probably get into the teaching thing, find it all consuming as it is, and probably 
give up on or, or let the other stuff sort of go to the side, the thing they really want to do. And that thing about making the leap, it, it never is one day or one minute. It, it always is gradual when you're in a creative industry. Mm-hmm. It never is one particular moment. It has to be something you build towards. And it goes back to what we were saying at the start about the admin and, and the fact that the unglamorous side of it mm-hmm. mostly is pitching and working on commissions and whatever and building yourself up and building your company and stuff. It is, it is, it is difficult. And a lot of the time it means you are juggling that and a full-time job while you head towards that thing but i think it's inspirational to hear from someone like you who has made that work because there'll be so many people listening to this podcast who will be wanting to do that or thinking about it or thinking i can't i just can't do that i have too many bills or responsibilities but it is Mm. it is doable isn't it but i guess the lesson is it's not it is something that takes time that could even take years but it is a process rather than a a Mm. one thing yeah it probably will take years to be i mean it took years for me uh, I think all three, I mean, all three of us are quite unique in that we're all doing what we love for a living. Um, but there are, we're, we're the, we're the minority. Most people just get a job and whatever they're passionate about, will just take a back seat. Well, there's a, there's a, I, when you're talking, actually, it reminded me, there's a, there's a quote from The Office where, because Dawn's character in the, mm. office, the, the UK office is um is into illustrating it's a bit it's a bit they kind of eke into the second series it's very cleverly done mm. um where they talk about um there's a bit where she says it's quite tragic she says i used to call myself an illustrator who does a bit of reception work but now i'm a receptionist that does a bit of illustration mm, yeah and i just thought that probably happens to an awful lot of people yeah most people yeah or even worse they don't even try that's mm. that's the worst thing i in my opinion is if you don't even give it a go because you will always wonder and i always would have wondered and the thing is as well as i went from working in the film industry to working as a full-time teacher and they're sort of like worlds apart and i went from being in this really fun creative environment <laughs> to being swamped (laughs) with work in a school with kids and I absolutely don't get me wrong like I I got into it for a reason and I love working with kids and I find it really fun as well working with children but teaching isn't what I thought it was going to be it's very all-consuming yeah being married to a teacher yeah I was was going to say because Michelle Michelle's a teacher and my mum was a teacher and she was a teacher years ago back when the government was very different and everything went very differently. And <laughs> yeah. so she still managed to have a life. And then when I, by the time I got into it, I was like, oh, wow, this is not what I thought mm. it was going to be at all. Um, and it's a misconception, I think, with the general public, actually, if you don't know anyone who's a teacher or you haven't experienced um, anyone you know being a teacher, there's this sort of perception mm. that teachers you know oh they have 12 weeks holiday and all that kind of stuff yeah. Yeah. it is honestly the the weeking the working week for a teacher is f- absolutely horrendous it's full yeah. on it's absolutely full on if you work full time as a teacher yeah yeah and i you know you initially you know you need to people need to know this because it's you know it's really mm. important to know yeah i was exhausted all the time all the time and i remember getting home and just wanting to sleep because i was so tired and and I, I personally, and I know there'll be a lot of people that are sort of like, well, yeah, that's like, that's working mm. life. You know, that's what you do. You go out, get a job and you're tired for the rest of your life. But <laughs> I personally don't think that's what life should be about. Um, I think you should enjoy what you do. I think you should be passionate about what you do, because if you're happy and if you're living in that way, you've probably got more to offer other people and you're making the world a better place anyway. Um, but yeah, I hope that this does inspire some people to just go for it. I'm a huge advocate of uh, just 
you know, following your dreams. Well, I was going to ask you about manifesting because we've oh, talked yeah. about it a few times. Yeah. And it's something I know you've... I got it well into, into yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. For anyone who doesn't know what manifesting is, can mm. you ex- can you explain it in a sort um, of basic way? Yeah, I'll try. Well, I mean, I just like got... Uh, manifesting as a word, I think, has got quite a lot of different connotations. Mm. So for some people, it's just absolute nonsense. And some people, it's almost like, wishing for what you want and it will come to you but I I just started reading a lot about like uh, energies and and how you the energy that you put out into the world basically comes back to you which I kind of believed anyway and I think when I started talking to you about it and I I gave you like a book that I'd read Mm. about it and you were like well this is kind of what I've been living my life by anyway to be Mm. fair you know like you put positivity out and you get positivity back if you're putting out negativity you're going to get that back and so yeah I think I I was looking into that a lot and yeah just trying to live by those rules and just practice gratitude a lot more and stuff like that because I do believe that if you're great if you're grateful then you attract more things to be grateful for um so yeah, and it's worked so far. You know, I've had an amazing year career-wise, and uh, yeah, I've just tried to be as positive as possible. I think there's a lot of truth in that, and I think certainly the energy thing, because I think if 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 you're giving off a positive energy, then that reflects to other people, and they probably make yourself more attractive work-wise. And I think if you, and it is hard, like if you trying to keep a positive mindset is really difficult. And we talk about it a lot on this podcast, uh, yeah. especially the year, we, year and a half we've had, like it is difficult. I'm certainly not here saying like, click your fingers, be positive. It's all fine. Like mm-hmm. it's a process and it's hard. And some people find it easier than others. But I think if you, if you can lean towards that, then you probably make yourself more open to opportunities and open to yeah. things that in the past you might have said, oh, I'm not doing that. And you think, oh, I might try that. And then that might lead to something else or you know something that you didn't think was going to be a thing and you know certainly in the creative world it's 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 often little little doors and windows that open can can sometimes lead to things you didn't think of so but it's it's not easy it's it's again it's a process no yeah it is a process in in even now like like I said I still I get quite bad guilt and the minute I feel negatively about something I then feel guilty about the fact that I feel badly about it Mm, if that makes sense Uh, but yeah no I just I'd had a really tough year in 2020 really tough and I was just in quite a dark place and I was like you know what I need to I need to do something about this because this isn't sort of how I want to live my life so yeah and I would sort of like meet up with Giles every week and be be like talking at him for an hour (laughs) (laughs) about all of my hopes and dreams (laughs) and then uh, would go back into my little cave um but yeah that's that's the kind of vibe that I tried to live live my life by so for people who haven't maybe seen your artwork which is fantastic by the way um what what is it (laughs) great great question I mean very direct (laughs) yeah yeah you sound a bit like when if you have like an exhibition and you always get that one older guy that comes over. So what's it supposed to what be? What is it? What is it then? I don't get it. And then yeah. you go, oh, well, it's a painting of a tiger. And they go, right. And then they just walk off. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically I paint um, animals and wildlife, specifically just wildlife. I don't, I don't do pets anymore. But um, yeah, photorealistic animals and their environments uh, to try and depict certain species or subspecies and um, I'm a conservation artist so I basically 
uh, try to gear my artwork towards making a difference in the conservation space and raising money and awareness for issues within sort of like the environment and animal welfare and stuff like that. And so I give 10% of my profits to various conservation and wildlife charities and uh, yeah, just try to raise as much awareness as I can through my art because I mean, for me, I love I love the art. I love doing it and I love animals, but doing it for a reason and for a cause is just that extra little mm. little something that I need to keep me doing it, I think. I don't know if I would have as much sort of passion and inspiration if it wasn't for the fact that I knew I was doing it for a cause. Yeah, that's really nice. And I think, I mean, art is emotive, isn't it? It brings mm. emotions out of us. Uh, in various different forms and in various different art forms so mm. especially if you're talking about something as important as as conserv- I was about to say conversational that's wrong <laughs> conservationalism is that did I say that right yeah yeah I think sure. so yeah, <laughs> um then I think p- that will get people engaged because I think that's mm. something a lot of people care about but yeah and your art is absolutely fantastic the detail on the stuff you do is absolutely incredible but oh, I think being you. able to bring out that emotion in people as well I think hopefully get people engaged in in the message behind it as well yeah and it's something that I've spoken a lot about this year within sort of like art communities is the fact that art is quite palatable and it's quite um it's easy to digest and I know that there's a lot of photos out there for example of sort of like dying animals or starving polar bears and stuff like that and they're very evocative and they get the message across um and for some people that's what you need to sort of like have the kick up the the bum to uh, make a change but for people like me for example I completely switch off if I see something like that and so art is a nice way of sort of introducing a, an issue to somebody without shoving it down their throats and kind of kind of encouraging people to do their own research and do their own work because I think if you're kind of forcing something down anyone's throat then the reaction to that is probably going to be quite reactive and they're probably going to do something or say something because they think that that's what they should do but if you're really inspiring people and and inspiring people's interest in a certain animal or a certain species or topic then they're going to go off and they're going to do their own research and they're going to work out how they can make a difference as well so for me it's really really nice to see when people like for example the whale shark (coughs) painting that I recently did I had loads of people saying oh I didn't I actually didn't know that whale sharks were endangered or vulnerable um that's really sad and so it was sort of raising people's awareness without making them feel guilty and being Mm. like you're a terrible person because you know animals are dying Mm. so yeah I think that's difficult I think that's actually a very difficult thing to do it's a very difficult balancing act I mean, let alone in person, but especially online. And we talked about people's reactions online. I, I, I sort of choose to believe that most people are compassionate enough for to feel something when they see that or hear that. Even probably even some of the trolls that actually, if they'd stepped away from their laptop and thought about it, probably do care about that kind of thing as well. So mm. I don't know where I'm going with this, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a very. I think humans are a real sort of uh balancing act of emotion and weirdness and and to be able to get through to people like that i think it's incredibly difficult mm. so i think the fact that you are doing it i think it's fantastic but um oh, thank you yeah i mean yeah it's i think we're all kind of connected in a way humans and animals and the environment actually if you think about it we're all connected 
you know, it's all it's like the butterfly effect. We're all sharing a space to start. We're all aren't sharing we? a space. It's just only humans that seem to think that they're above every mm. all the other species and therefore have some right to take all of the resources, all of the, you know, the petrol and the oil, all the oil and everything, and then just tear down all the forests and kill animals so that they can wear them or you know it's just it's just ridiculous but also there's there's sort of a knock-on effect that we're only really just starting to realize and what what with like global warming and the effects of global warming and also the pandemic and every everything has a knock-on effect and i think we're sort of starting to realize oh shit we can't we can't actually just do whatever we want because the world yeah the world will always have a way of of um you know getting rid of us basically if it if it feels like because i actually read a quote that the what the 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 world could survive if you took humans off it it would just cat it would thrive it would carry on and it would thrive but if you took away everything that we're trying to take away like the trees or yeah yeah the like different species of animals uh, for especially marine wild marine wildlife, the the world wouldn't survive. We'd all, we would all die. We'd all go down with it. Yeah, um, it's so true. I mean, you saw during the pandemic when people weren't allowed to go outside, there were swans in Venice. Right, you know, like yeah, and things. Were, and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe it was dolphins, not swans. I mean, they're both great. Um, <laughs> but it was yeah. People kept saying nature was healing, and I know it became a bit of a sort of a mm. meme. But it was true. And I mean, I my my uncle John who lives in Madrid. Um, loves. Uh, climbing mountains and does a lot of sort of go we to the Pyrenees a few times with him in sort of northern Spain and um, mm. if you've ever sort of walked up a big mountain I mean firstly it's, God, it's, it's very long and it's very <laughs> tiring but if you ever got to the top of a really tall mountain then you're very quick it's very quickly aware that like you humans are not in control in this in, on this planet mm. like it, it's you're I'm so in awe of like the mountains it's just very like we are not in control um it's a real reminder that actually mm. we are sort of we're we're sort of passengers on this planet yeah. for a bit for a tiny speck and it's like and you've seen this week with you know some of the floods in the far east and, and in germany and stuff mm. i i actually i mean without bringing it the, the the mood down too much too much i wonder if we're almost a bit too late really with climate change i think possibly well, that's what they're saying, isn't it? But I mean, well, I, it's never too late. I to make a recently difference. spoke to a climate true, a climate change scientist, one Ooh. of the one of the the most prolific and well thought after climate change. This is a hell scientist. of a name drop. Yeah, Miles Allen, his name is. He's oh. uh, he's big in the climate change science Amazing. game. Um, he said it's not too late. I asked him the question: Are oh, okay. we doomed? And he said, No, we're not doomed, but it is up to corporations and mm. um industries to 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 get their yeah. carbon footprint down yeah because that the is the, the main thing yeah we as individuals can make a very small difference mm. but it's up to yeah. those big corporations to, to to get their carbon footprint down yeah that is the only way really we can sort of start to recover yeah that's why i think it's a bit counterproductive to, to make people feel guilty, guilty exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. because yeah we're told we're we only know what we're told and you know what there's always these trends or like this this is bad this minute and the next minute that's that's bad <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah. with food as well it's like oh you shouldn't eat this oh no actually that's good for you you shouldn't eat this mm, yeah. like we only know what we're told and what we're told comes from the top you know we're never really going to be in control but what we can do is we can make our individual changes and then put pressure going back up the the ladder 
for companies mm. to make to make changes and the people that have yeah. the power the best use of our energies is not like yeah trying to make sure that we recycle it well i mean obviously that's good we yeah. do need to recycle mm. everything but mm. on an individual level it is to put pressure on those big mm. yeah. those big um fossil fuel industries because that is where the the damage is being done yeah i mean i i always try and sort of like share petitions or sign petitions or articles or whatever and I do get sometimes people messaging me like, oh, you can sign as many petitions as you want. There's no point. It's not going to make a difference. You're just one person. And that mentality is part of the problem. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, yes, I am just one person, but you could just say, oh, I'm just one person, said 64 billion people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No one's going to make a difference. Mm. But, yeah, but it's like every little helps. I do, yeah, I do think that there's hope. Um, but I do think that bringing people down and making people feel guilty and shoving concepts down people's throats isn't the way forward. That's a waste of energy, mm. I think. Um, I completely agree. Yeah, because because like there was one point last year it was like don't eat avocados that you're killing the, you're killing the planet. And it was like do eat avocados. They're really good for you. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I'm exactly. confused. Half the food. time, the avocado food. isn't even fucking ready. So I've tried no. to eat the avocado and it's dead anyway. Oh, so avocados. That's are, a whole journey. Yeah, they, avocados yeah. are a tricky beast, like pears. They do you know, it on they, purpose. Yeah, they're sort of not right, not right, right. Oh, ripe. Oh, shit. They're yeah. too. They're and gone. It's they're gone. gone. Yeah. yeah. Avocados are the biggest troll, I think. Yeah. yeah. The they, fruit and veg industry. They definitely do that on purpose. <laughs> they, yeah. they, they sit there and they watch you feel yeah. it every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the we one day you go out, it's like, right, today's the day. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. Come and really? get me. Well, oh, you're not let here. Me, I'll share this with you. My my wife refers to me as the human avocado because I'm the sort of person that's very much like, I don't want to do that. Don't want to do that. Don't want to do that. Don't want to do it. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Now I'm bored now. And so <laughs> I know that was going to be the name of my show, actually, Charles, Human Avocado, but I'm actually going to save it for a different, didn't work in the context of the show, I think. But, that's, um, that's, show, that's the Edinburgh Fringe, man. Yeah, that's mm. next 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 show. Yeah. Yeah. Just got the human yeah. avocado. Human avocado. I think it's a good title for a show, but obviously need. To Do you go it. a bit brown if you're left out in the air? <laughs> <laughs> I did yeah, possibly. Yeah, oh, really maybe. hard to get a pip out of. Um, going back to the artwork, though, doesn't work. Doesn't work. No. Oh dear. Um, tell us about the process of the artwork, then. So yeah, I basically um, I get an idea in my head, and sometimes ideas are knocking around inside my head for months, years, even, and sometimes they like the piece that I'm working on at the moment, um, the cheetahs, which is actually sat right behind. I can us, see it. It's watching it's us. Fantastic. Yeah, it's. I've had. I a, can't see it. You need to turn the camera if that's oh, possible. Sorry. We lift it up so we can show Jim. Yeah. Oh, oh there's, the a, there's in the a way. camera tripod in the way. Uh, yeah, I can't quite make it out, but I'll show you I've seen you show me later. You've put some posts up, haven't you? I have, and then I broke my camera. Um, <sighs> the lens got stuck on the camera. And funny story, <laughs> I was in a hurry to f- take a photo of some birds that were outside. And I can't take pictures of birds with the 15 millimeter lens on. I need to have the zoom lens. So I was trying to get it off and it got jammed. Because I was in such a hurry, I didn't want the bird to fly away. So I just like, yanked, it, yanked off. it off and I broke the camera <laughs> in the process. It, it's going to cost so much to fix. I might as well just buy a new one. So I, I bought a nice fancy new camera. Have you? Yeah. I, oh, I, I need advice on I, cameras actually. So I wanted to ask you about that. I went for a, lim- um, a mirrorless camera. 
What uh, does that mean? Uh, what's mirrorless? It means it doesn't have a mirror. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't obviously, know. What's, what's uh, so, from what I gather, it's something to do with, I mean, they're smaller for a start. And also, it's something to do with the shutter inside, I think. Oh, okay. Right. Sorry, I'm on the second Capri. Yeah, I know. So, ooh. Um, so I went for the Sony A A7 Mark III. There which, are the good okay. camera manufacturers. Yeah, which is basically, basically I just put out on Instagram, which camera should I get? And then I just oh, put the one okay. that most people said. So I didn't really I just, do any Does research. that do video as well? Yeah, it's 4K video. So it's really 4K. Really now you're living decent. the dream. Yeah, so what was it? Yeah. The Sony A7. A7 Mark III. It's quite pricey, but it's an investment. Oh, I think personally I... for me. I think I've got one, he's saying. I think I have that. Actually. I think I've got it. Oh, I've got that in no, the loft. I was looking to upgrade. Oh, I don't know. No, maybe I don't. Maybe I don't. No, actually, I've just, I've just seen how much it is. I definitely don't have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was expensive. But the camera that I had before was just like a second hand. I bought, bought it off my friend for like 250 quid or something. And I've used it every day pretty much for the last year and a half. And I said to myself, when this goes, I'm going to invest in a really decent camera because... I use it every day. I was going to say, so it's essential to what you're doing, It's really. essential, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, not only do I take pictures and videos in the studio, but I also use the camera to take pictures for print. So that it needs to be good for the prints yeah. to, to be high quality. And I really want to go and like photograph animals in the wild, like on safari or in an, on an expedition or something. And so I just thought, do you know what? I'm just going to buy it. And so my bank account took a bit of a knock um yesterday when i bought it but yeah it's coming it's in the post and i'm very excited for my new toy i think i think those things are always investments you you always um get use out of it and also when it comes to tech and stuff it's worth buying expensive stuff because it lasts like the worst thing is you buy yeah. something a bit cheap and then it breaks like you, you might, oh unless you break it yourself obviously but i mean i think you need yeah. to invest really yeah, this one's mirrorless so there's no yeah. chance so of the mirror so, it's unbreakable yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> seven seven years bad luck is it otherwise yeah exactly yeah <laughs> that's why i bought a mirrorless one so i yeah. didn't want to smash the mirror <laughs> i don't have a clue one less thing to about. break I know. I know. Luckily, I have quite a lot of like good camera experts on my Instagram, so they're all sending me messages. Like, I, it's, it's a, not a world I know much about at all. Cameras. Mm, no, me no. neither. It's just microphones. I'm sorted, but but Got not cameras. Fancy ones here. These are these aren't the fanciest of, of oh. my collection, but yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's really important. But yeah, it's a big part of what you do is obviously because you do because you do mm. like videos that you put on social media yeah. of you painting. Yeah, I video the process. I take pictures along the way. I like to pro- I like to document the process for myself anyway. Mm. Um but people love it. They love sort of like following along um with the process. But yeah, it's it's worked out quite well for me, I think. Definitely. Yeah, mm. I mean the I I really love watching the videos and actually seeing that progression of the paintings when you know if you're just you often start with the eyes. Well, am I right in thinking yeah, that? Yeah. So you often have like the eye videos and then it sort of <laughs> yeah. progresses as the body yeah. kind of evolves around it. I like to start with the eyes because once you've got the eyes done, I think it kind of makes the whole piece come to life almost immediately. Whereas if you start with the fur, it could be any, you know, it never looks that great until you've done the eye. The eyes really bring it to mm. life, I think. Well, I, I, taking it as someone who can't really draw, um, getting the eyes right is basically the most important thing because mm. um, yeah. eyes done wrong looks really funny i think it just mm. looks a bit weird mm. on yeah, anyone I human agree. or animal yeah um, eyes and, and the facial propor- proportions as well yeah, yeah. So do unless, you have you, to, unless you're picasso yeah. yeah of course right yeah if it's a bit more abstract so do you 
when you're doing, um, obviously, like you're saying about the proportions, do you measure out? Yeah. Where the, yeah, so yeah. how does it work? So I personally use the grid method. Um, so are, there, are there other methods then? Um, yeah, some people, for example, if you're using a reference photo, some people use like a projector to project the image onto the canvas. Oh, okay. And then, yeah, they like almost like tracing it, I guess. Um, I've never done that personally, but I just draw out a grid, square grid, and then on Photoshop, I can like create an image of what I want on on my laptop kind of thing, and then yeah, move stuff around. And, and have you always done it that stuff. way? Uh, no, not always. Like that, you know, sometimes I will just draw it freehand. But the thing is, is when I was drawing stuff freehand, I realised that I would usually get stuff wrong i would make mistakes and then it would take so much longer to fix it and to change it and i would like paint over things and paint over it again i was wasting so much time yeah i was like i might as well just do the grid method and it's it's quite time consuming in the beginning to like draw out the grid measure it all so it's perfectly proportionate um but it saves you so much time Mm. during the process because i mean there's obviously if you're doing like a, a a style that's quite abstract or um I don't know, a bit more impressionistic than, or impressionist, I should say, then it doesn't really matter. But if you're going for a photorealistic or a realistic style, you have to have them in proportion. Yeah, of course. You have to, because yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, it yeah. it doesn't look right otherwise. Really, it? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of my pet peeve, not pet peeve, like I don't really care that much to dislike it. But like when I see a piece of art that's like a photorealistic style, but the proportions aren't right, that kind of gets to me. It bugs me a bit. Well, it also it looks a bit comical, isn't it? I mean, if you've got yeah. like a, if you've drawn a, a, if you painted a lion and it's got like a tiny head or something. It's exactly. Well, it's, it's like, yeah. You know what it's like? It's like when football clubs commission statues outside their stadiums. Exactly and like that. They yes. get the proportions wrong. Right. Um, And it just looks, there was a one in Southampton. Who was a Southampton one, Charles? I'm going to Google it now. Um, And it just looked absolutely hilarious. Like well, massive, head, tiny one, body. That Ronaldo one was terrible, wasn't it? Yeah. The yeah. Ronaldo yeah. um, yeah, one at the airport was, was yeah, they made him look. <laughs> I'm going to send you a photo of this one. <laughs> Who's the player it. then? It's an old, like, Ted Bates. It's an old, old Southampton uh, guy. And they just got the proportion really wrong. I'm going to put it, Charles, I'll put it on your uh, WhatsApp. Okay, I'm going to do um, it now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, in many ways, you can, you can go viral like this, I guess. But it's probably not great because not great for advertising your work, I guess, if you do it wrong. But I don't mm. know. Well, it's, it's like those people that get tattoos done and they look terrible. Yeah. Oh. And it's the photo of what it should look like and then the photo of what it, the tattoo looks like. And it's stuck yeah. on their bodies for the rest of their lives. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so good oh, it's like they sort of it's like they ran out of material halfway through can i just say it really looks like my nan <laughs> really yeah honestly if the, it, <laughs> it looks like my brother's commissioned it um it does look it's like a male version of my nan basically but the proportions are perfect for her yeah look the forearms really long it's got yeah. a really long arm yeah and then the hands really small and then the upper arm is really small <laughs> <laughs> just ri- and the, and the just legs are tiny. My headphones <laughs> That's how angry Sophie is. Like, I can't deal with this. Also, he looks like the eyes are quite um, sunken. They reckon out it. online. So it's Ted. Yeah. Ted Bates. Ted Bates. That's a brilliant photograph. Thank this you. Is so, this is like 10 years ago. They redid it and they actually made it look 
That happens a lot with statues, though. I don't know because maybe it's hard material to like because I guess they're brass or something. Are they? It must be quite hard material to manipulate. Mm. Although you'd hope that they would get an expert in to do it. Well, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) you'd think so. You'd think. But if they're putting their artistic expression in it, it might not be Mm. like that's how I saw that. Maybe that was how they perceived Ted Bates to be. I'd be very like Giles's nan. Um, (laughs) Oh wait, there's an even better angle Um, because I feel like that's. Like that that's like if they asked me to do it, I think I probably wouldn't be far off. Yeah. <laughs> like they've that. just put out a gum tree advert. Like, can <laughs> yeah. anyone do a statue? That's like if you ordered a statue off Wish, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh dear. Oh dear. Yeah. So basically, yeah, funny. proportions important. But you're you're using oils. Acrylic. Acrylic. Acrylic, sorry. yeah. So yeah, most to be fair, most realist artists paint in oils. Um mm. I actually prefer acrylic. Is that what's the difference? Are they less, it's a bit boggier, heavier. I can boggier. Um, I always think of oils being very heavy and well, like you thick. you have to do well. You can dilute them. Yeah. So not necessarily. Um, they're just for me personally. They're they're harder to work with because they take longer to dry. Of course, right? Yeah. And so I work in layers, and I just layer and layer and layer and. T- in acrylics, I can do that really quickly. Mm-hmm. Whereas with oil, you kind of need to like leave it to dry for a bit um, to be able to do that. Like if you make a mistake, for example, in acrylic, I would just paint over it, start again within a minute. Um, with oils, it's a little bit trickier. Um, you have to kind of dilute them, and you work on a um, you work on a lean. Let me get this right: lean fat basis. So the watered the most watered down watered but most leaned down um oils go at the bottom because they dry quicker so you can't have lean over fat because if you've got like a an undiluted oil and then a diluted on top the diluted oil will dry first and then before the oil underneath is dried and then it will crack so that's why you see oil paintings that have cracks in them that almost look like a mosaic because it's the way that the oil's dried basically so you have to make sure that you're diluting them correctly which is just time consuming for me personally Mm. and then it's getting rid of them afterwards like disposing of them in an environmentally friendly way yeah as well. would you need so like chemicals like terps or something to you would use yeah, yeah like turpentine or mm. um white spirit yeah. it's usually like proper mediums artist mm. mediums um and stuff and so you would normally put all of all of your used medium into like a pot and then dispose of it correctly mm. and for me it's just easier to use acrylic all round and i prefer it i know it really well now it's what i've spent most of my career using uh, and I do, I have used oil occasionally in the past. Oil's great for like the blended look. Mm. So if you see like these really great like impasto style blended um, impressionist pieces, mm-hmm. oil's great for that. Um, but for me personally, I prefer acrylic, but I'm sure there's people that will disagree. Well, I was going to say, I guess these are things that you just work out the mm. more you do it as to what is your thing and what... I. I imagine you almost get sort of an emotional connection to it in a way you just you know what feels right when you're working on it and what kind of works for you and there is yeah. no real sort of like lesson with that it's just trying stuff out yeah exactly and some people prefer like watercolors for example mm. um i think also once you get into the groove and you get to know like what makes you tick personally then you have your own personal style and some people like on instagram a few people have said like i 
automatically know when the post is yours without even seeing because it's your style of art Mm. whereas if i started churning out like watercolor paintings or something Mm. it just wouldn't be me it wouldn't feel feel right for me personally um but i guess that's the same with any kind of art form yeah and that takes time and that 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 you know can be cultivated over a long time for you to not only find your style and get to it but then other people Mm. to recognize it so i guess uh, i was going to sort of ask a question sort of round off is if there's anyone sort of listening who's thinking about getting into art in any form like what would your recommendation be or advice be uh i would say if you've never done it before or if you've only kind of done it as a hobby then to start off with i would just take your time kind of experimenting and having fun with the different mediums and the different styles and the different subject matters um don't sort of automatically pigeon your pigeonhole yourself into something yeah. because I've, I personally found in the beginning of my career, I was kind of like dabbling in a bit of this, a bit of that. I was doing some pet portraits and then some wildlife, some drawings, some paintings. I didn't really have a niche. And so I couldn't sort of like throw myself into one area of art. I was just a bit spread out over everything. And it took practicing and sort of like having fun with lots of different mediums and lots of different styles for me to realize what I I like personally and so I've been able to carry on on that route with passion and with love for what I do um yeah so in the beginning I wouldn't worry about sort of like selling your art or you know worrying too much about the business side of it I would just have fun with it enjoy doing it because that's the most important thing of course and practice lots of different styles and techniques and mediums and then yeah find find what you like find what feels good to you and uh, yeah then just go for it it's good it's good advice so i don't know if i've told you guys but i i have sold one painting oh amazing wow wow one more than uh who was it was it picasso that didn't sell any while he was alive (laughs) van gogh Gogh didn't sell any did you okay right really i I made a i made a i made a whole 20 pounds what was i didn't make 20 pounds because i would have paid for the canvas and the paint um so i got it was when i was living in Brixton it was in 2010. Ted, Ted, Ted Bates statue. <laughs> it was called the. It was it was an avocado. Quid. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, no, I got really. I went to Tate Modern and I got there was a Gerhard you Richter were what, exhibition. You were, you were exhibited in Tate Modern. Maybe. <laughs> I went to wow. I just hung it up myself. Yeah, right, yeah. I just walked around with it. And then you got escorted out of the building. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and now I'm banned from all galleries <laughs> in London. Um. No, there's a Gerhard Richter exhibition and he does these like huge canvases mm. and they're all like colours. He, he he uses giant sort of like, well, I use like a sort of a shower squeegee thing. But he mm. uses like giant versions. He puts yeah. all the colours around and they look fantastic. And I was like, I could, do you know what? I, I could, could do that. try that. Like, I, I like this. <laughs> we we always think that when we say it. modern art. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I went home. I, yeah. I, my kids could do that. Yeah, yeah. It was more like, I, do you know what? I like that. I'm going to see if I can i'm gonna try and see if i can do it and so i got myself a squeegee and i got some paints and stuff and like most of them ended up being really sort of brown slush because mm. once you push colors around enough they're just like so you doing watercolor slushy no i was doing like poster paints like acrylic i guess that's acrylic yeah. oh, okay. um, yeah. poster paints poster paints because, like what they buy for schools yeah yeah i made yeah maybe that's yeah it's quite childlike um <laughs> but what i also liked maybe it was acrylic so i can't remember what i liked was that on the canvas it, it wasn't flat it created mm. waves and bits and you could play around with the sort of 3dness of the paint as well um but anyway i did a couple and like actually got really into it for about a month 
doing oh, it on cool. the kitchen floor while all my flatmates were like, so I'm trying to like make my dinner. Can you get out of the way? I'm, like, I'm doing my art, guys. Oh, I'm it's like, just Jim's gone through yeah. his art phase yeah. again. <laughs> exactly. Look, guys, yeah. this is really important to me. <laughs> yeah. It's it like next? peep show. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there was a cafe around the corner where we lived in Brixton called uh, Cafe Provencal, I think it was Cafe Prov, you used to call it. And I used to love going in there. And they had loads of art on the walls from just like local people that you oh, could buy cool. for like 20 quid, 30 quid, whatever. So I was like, can I put my painting up, please? And put it up there. And it was there for like six months, a long time. And then I got a phone call from someone saying, I've seen your your painting in Cafe Prov. I thought it was a my flatmate Andy playing a prank. Uh, it turns out it was someone real and they paid me 20 quid for it. Oh, so, oh man. So you actually, yeah. you could be still somewhere in someone's living room or something. I wonder what's happened to it. Oh, yeah. I'd like to track that down if some if yeah, there was some yeah. way that 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 could be a such a good journey to go on. I don't know if I. That's a comedy. Name, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a fringe show. There. That man. is a fringe show. Tracking yeah. down your artwork. I that wonder, is a fringe show. I wonder how much it would be worth now as well. Probably about twenty five quid. Twenty five. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. It's gone up. <laughs> Diminished. I think it's an investment. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that that is that is a really actually nice thing to think about. Like where mm. does art go because it becomes mm. part of people's lives landfill. and then it has its own <laughs> landfill yeah <laughs> <laughs> i want it's just interesting to think about where it you know it becomes part of people's kind of being for a little bit and then maybe they sell it or you know they pass it on to someone so mm. yeah uh, you hear stories about people that have a piece of art and then they just get rid of it or throw it away and then that artist then becomes like really famous <laughs> and they're like no oh my god that'd be worth so much now but yeah, yeah. I, I do you know what I love that's one of the things that sort of spurs me on when people buy my art because in the early days I used to get really I, again I used to feel really guilty if people bought my art because I didn't like the idea it made me feel uncomfortable that people were giving me their money mm. for something that I enjoy doing it didn't feel right to me it's you know and I think like oh they've obviously worked hard for their money that's their hard earned money yeah. and they're giving it to me and the one way that I kind of overcame that guilt was by realizing that the more I did and the more I progressed in my career that artwork was actually an investment and it was earning them money so mm. it's quite quite nice actually because the people that invested in the early days were either my friends or people that um they just did it because they're oh that's nice you know some young girls selling her art or whatever um and so it's just nice people and now their artwork's gone up so well, of course because your profile's gone up as well you know and you've right. won awards now we should mm. put that out there people's, people's champion cho- yeah people's champion people's champion um, I've, you know, i changed it to champion by the way no you, you did actually <laughs> I did, didn't yeah, you I yeah Gotta make it sound like the people's champion. When I want but it. I think um <laughs> but that but yeah, but that like you say, it's now that that investment is gonna is is greater for them, isn't it? Because yeah, they, yeah, exactly. And it and it makes me feel good knowing that they then have this piece of art sitting in their homes that is worth more money. Um because almost always because I with commissions particularly, I have a waiting list. So I quote someone and and like I'm now doing art for people on my waiting list that I quoted like a year ago because the waiting list is quite long. So it's already gone up before I've even done it because mm. my prices have gone up. So yeah. I'm like, oh you're you're paying me this but actually when it's finished it's going to be already be worth like double that. So it, it's kind of an incentive for me to to do it for the people which is why I'm the people's champion. <laughs> just, just kidding. I didn't, I didn't win it this this I came second in the BBC. I know the people's yeah, choice. The, was that the David Shepherd Award? Yeah, 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 I was I was seven points off 
Uh, next year, winning, next but, year. Yeah, I I had a pang. It's of always like, oh. nice to be nominated, isn't it? Yeah, Jim? and when they said they told <laughs> yeah, me, yeah, we know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I kind of forced myself to nominate it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I I had the pang of like, oh, I didn't win, and then afterwards, I was like, they told me how many votes I had. I was like, oh God, that's amazing! Like all those people, yeah, exactly, went out of their way to vote. That's incredible. So I was really really happy about that. I think as well, like it's, it's it's getting over that guilt. I mean, that, I think that is something that a lot of creative people probably struggle with. Being able to get over that is a big thing, to be honest. I, I th- uh, there's probably a lot of people that hold on to that forever, probably, mm-hmm. and, and find it difficult to deal with. But you yeah. know, you are doing what you do for a reason, and people buy it for a reason, and uh, you know, you are part. You become part of their lives, and it's it's mm. it is all there for a reason. But it is it's hard to kind of shake that guilt. Yeah, I, I love that, that I'm sort of part of their their world in some small way. I think money, I think English people particularly have a weird thing yeah. around money. Though you don't get it so much in America. It's very much like, right, what's it worth? How much am I paying mm. for it? But in America, it's almost like, oh, what's uh, oh, a bit awkward, you know, what's the money, yeah. you know, what's the money situation? And really money is, again, it's just like an energy. It's just an exchange, you know, you give me something and I give you something back. But we've put this weird, uh, like this weird connotation attached mm. to money that is well, weird, to weird, a weird about. emotion i think we attach emotion mm, yeah to right. it when actually it's i mean i you know we, we pay money for lots of other stuff we don't think about pet, petrol for example we pay a lot of money for petrol i don't emotionally mm. yeah, kind right. of worry about yeah. that and I, I buy a lot of football shirts off ebay which is a problem that i'm working out at the moment i have to take the app but um <laughs> you know i don't it's genuinely an addiction um my dad but, had an addiction to ebay as well it's the thing it's addictive. he started it's, buying really wacky stuff his house because as well he's like a widower so you would go in his house and he still lives in like a four bedroom detached house where it's just him so every room's got like an inflatable boat or like a telescope or he (laughs) went through like an oil lamp phase (laughs) he was just buying oil lamps so i've had you got a problem uh yeah anyway sorry carry on no ebay is addictive that is that's my point that i wanted to to end on be careful people out there please be careful if you have an ebay problem Seek a professional. Don't yeah. come to me because I'll make it worse. Um, I can't remember what the point was that I was going to say. Mon- money. It's a funny. It, you attach. Yeah, you attach an emotion to it because I read somewhere if you, if there was a five pound note on the side, you would look at that, and if you had stolen that from someone, you would attach like a guilt or a shame feeling to it. If someone had given it to you, like your like a parent had given it to you as a birthday present, that would have like a more of a sentimental value to it. If it was something you'd earn, again, it would be a different emotion. So we attach emotions to money, but really all it is is a piece of paper or plastic or whatever it is nowadays. It's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, I did a I did a job before I used to get paid like quite a lot of money and it's like an office job for really not not doing two days a week I really didn't do anything and I actually said to my boss I don't really do anything on those days he was like what and I was like oh crap I've, I've ruined it um, <laughs> I had it so good <laughs> I've ruined it um but now I get paid much less to do stuff I want to do mm. but there's way more guilt attached to it whereas before I was like doing perfectly fine for not mm. doing anything it's just right, it's a yeah. mindset isn't it and it's a mm. it's just and yet there was no difference or transaction for mm. me being me. I guess maybe it's because we make things that we feel people would only buy if they had a bit of extra money. Like it's a frivolous thing, you know, maybe. 
you know, like if you, you know, you write a book or you do a painting, it's like something, or it's a, it's a lovely thing, but it might, it's not an essential thing. Mm. Well, I, maybe, yeah, I would argue they are essential. Actually. They are, they are, but I mean, in but you're right, they might be viewed as, yeah. 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 I, my, a friend of mine was like, well, what was the one thing that everybody made sure wasn't bombed during the war was the art so it is important so yeah that's a good point actually i'll make sure make sure that i attach more value to it in the future um but yeah i think jim that once you i think you'll find that once you get over that guilt you'll actually start earning more anyway i hope so yeah probably maybe from more rubbish paintings i think you you need to get the canvases out mate (laughs) i actually do have some that i've been tending to do for ages but yeah i i find painting really calming and yeah. I, my wife and I bought some canvases last year. We're like, let's just like try and find some time to just do it together. Mm. Mainly because we never do anything together. And we still haven't got around to it. They're sort of sat, I think they're in here somewhere. But it, I, yeah, I, because it's not something that I know I will ever make a career from, apart from obviously that £20 one that's now become... That well, you are. You're a professional artist. You sold a piece. Yeah, exactly. But it, it, is, <laughs> it is nice to have something that, that is that you do for, for fun. And I, I yeah. used to find it really, really calming. And I do that and reading, actually, mm. um, which I'm trying to get back into as well. I need to, I need to just actually take some time out to do things that serve mm. me just for me. So important. Yeah. So important. Yeah, I think I think that's important just something that's like a bit of a meditation for you as well reset the brain yeah because i find i mean painting at one point yeah when it was a hobby for me it was like that but now it's a job it's when i'm doing it like so when you I'm need in, to find something else now yeah i was thinking of becoming a podcast host actually <laughs> just kidding it's a lot of admin <laughs> i a lot was of thinking admin. of uh, starting a podcast <laughs> called empty <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> and then you'll win a British podcast award in your first year. We'll be like, yeah. God's sake, yeah. BBC. <laughs> no, um, no. When I don't get me wrong, when I'm actually doing it, I'm still, I still enjoy it. I still zen, zen out doing it, but I still do find myself forcing myself to do it, like, I, like I would if I was doing like a normal nine to five job. I'm still yeah. like, oh, come on, I need to do this. I've got loads of yeah. work to do. Still get yeah. that. I think whatever you do. If you do it for a living, it turns mm. into a job. Yeah, it does. But, it does. It changes. It does change the way you you approach it. Um, but that is the life we've chosen. It is. Can't complain though, can we? No, we shouldn't really. No. Um, well, Sophie, thank you. thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's so great to have you on. Thank you. This for is, that's me. been an, oh, it's been an absolute joy having you. Thank you so much. Mm. Oh, thanks. I've been so excited. I was hoping you could come as well, Jim, and we could all sit next in the time. We'll have a we'll have a catch up again, maybe. Yeah. Later date. Yeah. yeah, and I won't have had another jab, I promise. Oh, yeah, that would chest <laughs> Yeah, it will be jab five by then. <laughs> oh, <laughs> might, actually, you've got it, might be. Have you had no, your I'd love weekly, to. weekly booster shot of the COVID jab? <laughs> <laughs> Only 37. Oh, God. Yeah, no, that, it's been really, really nice. And I've, I obviously, I listen to the podcast as well, so it's been... I've, I was a bit nervous, but then I got really busy over the last week and then I forgot to feel nervous, so... <laughs> That's good, that's always good to forget. How not to feel nervous? <laughs> Forget. forget about it yeah forget about it yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah well no it's a really treat to have you on and uh, yeah, yeah thank you for your time today oh thank you thanks for coming and and coming slash zooming <laughs> i will I, I i would love to come down at some point definitely that, that would be really really lovely and i'm sorry that i haven't made it work this time but uh next yeah. time next time next time
Well, there you go. Sophie Green on the blank podcast. Again, I do feel the blank. Po- the blank podcast. The blank. You went a bit <laughs> um, Lloyd Grossman on Lloyd that. Grossman, one. yeah. And now, who's on the podcast this week? <laughs> Who listens to a podcast <laughs> like this? Um, I did a bit, didn't I? Sorry, I don't know why I did that. I'm trying to sort of change up how I do this bit because I don't think I do it very well. But uh, maybe I'll just go back to what I did before because uh, probably better than what don't, I just did. I don't. I think don't. I, I don't change it, mate. I don't. You can go. You can think about these things too much. I think. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Maybe just just stick to what I know. Anyway, what a fantastic guest. Very, oh, just great guest. Well, I know Sophie really well, so I know she'd be a great guest. And I think she, you know, she was really nervous, I think, about coming on because she, I think, she feels like she's at the beginning of her career. But I mean, she's been doing her painting for quite a long time now. And mm. uh, she's so talented. And I'm just uh, really pleased to have her on. She's just got a really uh, great story to tell. And, you know, we could have talked for a long, long time more, couldn't we? Hours and hours more. So, yeah, maybe we'll get her back on at some point. Yeah, no, it flew. It absolutely flew by. Um, mm. Yeah, as most of our conversations do. So, uh, yeah, very talented person. Someone whose whose sort of heart's very much in the right place as well, and using yeah. her work to do to do good for the environment as well, which I think is absolutely fantastic. So, uh, a very inspirational person as well. If if you are someone that's looking to make the leap freelance wise, then you know she's very much someone who's worth following and listening to her advice because uh, she's making it making it happen um so yeah but I, again i do feel a bit gutted i wasn't down there with you guys uh, so maybe we'll do another one in the future where yeah we, i can join you that'd be um, nice man because that'd be nice and it does sound like a really lovely location as well so uh yeah one to add to the diary for the future definitely definitely man yeah and i mean safety's done so well as well recently i think like we were saying about sort of taking that leap into doing working freelance and actually pursuing the art full time i mean she sort of started doing it just i guess it was the just the year before obviously the pandemic and then you know but i think you know she's found that she's been very busy um over the last 18 months and has been able to to do it full time so that's it's fantastic you know and uh yeah she's you know she's super talented so she has no problem she'll she'll succeed and we talked about manifesting didn't we quite a bit on the yeah. podcast yeah. And, that's something I'm quite interested in trying to trying to learn a bit more about. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know too much about it, but uh, I've probably something. I realise that I think I I think I do visualisation a lot more than I realise. Mm. Uh, I think I'm someone that sort of thinks, visualises how I'm going to do things, and then not really plans to. Just in my head, just does that, and then and then when I come to actually then do it, it normally often is a bit easier than. Or not as tricky as I thought because mm. I've sort of already visualised. I'm like, okay, if I do this, 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 and this, and that goes into there and there, yeah, that should work. And then you come down and do it. And think, oh yeah, okay, doesn't always. But um, yeah, you're a daydreamer, I'd... Jim. Because I'm a terrible, oh yeah, I'm terrible. I think it's a you know, but daydreaming like yeah. scenarios and stuff about yeah. certain things yeah. all the time. I do it like when I'm playing football. Like I sort of visualise, oh, if I get in that position, well, a great pass. Know. Or yeah, great, great goal, pass, yeah. great goal. And then I realise I'm on the bench and actually I can't affect the game at all. So <laughs> More time to visualise. <laughs> and visualise raising that flag. Oh, he's raised it really well. Well done. Um, but yeah, I think I, but no one's ever taught me and I've not consciously decided to do that. I just, yeah, I've done that since I was a kid, I think really. But So we all have our different ways, don't we, of sort of trying to make things happen. Well, interestingly, going back to, um, I can't remember the name of the number of the episode it was, but Nick Faldo, we talked to back yeah. in the day. Yeah. Um, loads about visualization and how that helped him succeed yeah. in in major tournaments and stuff. So I think there's something to be said for it for sure. 
I think that features in our book as well. Mm, you're right. Oh, yes, we've got a book out if anyone hasn't bought it yet. We it's have. called Blank. How, why it's fine to falter and fail and how to pick yourself up again. That was a seamless segue into an advert for our book, but please do go and buy it from all good bookshops. Um, yep. It's a really great read, even if I do say so myself. <laughs> oh, yeah, quite rightly. Uh, and that wasn't the planned segue. I just uh, I realized we forget to mention the book a lot of the time. Uh, but mm. we, we do get tweets about that as well. People tell us they've bought the book and enjoy it. And, and thank you very much because we do really, really appreciate that as well. Uh, well, we're heading yeah. into the autumn, Jim, and people will start will be starting to think about Christmas presents. Yeah, so we probably so we probably will bang on actually. about we'll yeah. probably bang on about it quite a lot. We will. We I think yeah. we will probably bring back the advert in the middle of the pod as well. Yeah. So apologies in advance, but yeah. And if you haven't bought it and you think thing about is, Christmas if you presents, buy yeah buy the book and then you won't have to hear all these ads all the time. You put you still will. We'll do less though. <laughs> we can't in the future. <laughs> in the future, you'll be able to. Well, I don't know, but you'll be able to do maybe tailored ads so that if someone's bought your product they won't hear it. i mean that would be that's next level sort of yeah targeted. we're not at that stage we can't do that no, no. so, we so it has to be generic advice. and you everyone gets it yeah but you can fast forward if you've already bought the book you can hit your little t- 10 second forward button or, like, or you can listen it. to it and then think oh, actually i'd quite like to read that or i know someone who'd like to read it i'll buy yeah. that for them or I'll buy exactly. it for myself it's um, exactly so, yeah it's a win-win anyway it's win-win for them and for us <laughs> Anyway, well, I think it's time to wrap up the pod there with that seamless yeah. advert. Um, Charles, have a good week, mate. And you. And, and, and don't forget, you can tweet us as well, um, or oh, Facebook us, or yeah. you can send us messages on Instagram. We're at Blank Pod. I thought I'd just quickly get that in before. Yeah, yeah. go for it. Yeah. Tell me to go away. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot to do that. Anyway, Blair, please do get in contact with us. We do, we do, we do genuinely love reading your messages. And please do have a good week. You know, take care of yourselves out there. Um, <laughs> I nearly said and be good to each other, but I can't. That's Jerry Springer's line. That's Jerry Springer, kid. yeah. Um, oh. I need I need another sign off, don't I? I need. Well, I used to that... watch a show with Gary Cole, and it was called Midnight Caller. Do you remember that? You, you probably. No. It, I used to watch it with my nan. It was on quite late at night on a Friday, a Saturday night, I think. And he used to have a sign off, and it was quite soothing because he used to do like a sort of. He would. It, it was a drama, so there was something. Then he would be involved in some case or something. I don't know. It wasn't necessary poli- police procedural type thing but he was always involved in something and at the end he would do a like little monologue about what had happened during the episode <laughs> right and then and then he'd do this sign off and i can't for the life of me remember oh, so if God, anyone can remember up to it no so if anyone can remember the sign off for midnight cooler yeah, please, please do let us um, tweet us and then we'll and maybe we'll, we'll, we'll I'll steal it. it yeah yeah <laughs> anyway on, on that note on that thanks for listening bombshell. <laughs> absolute bombshell i really thought you were building up to it um, no 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 i like to tease tease the, the audience okay hopefully someone let us know in the next in the next seven days and we'll reveal next week but in the meantime just just you know be excellent to each other no again that's someone else's just have a good week oh, i think he said that actually maybe he said that here it is okay he used to say at the end of midnight caller he would say, good night, America, wherever you are. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. It's a bit Ron Burgundy, but we'll... Um, so good it's night, g- good night, podcast Listener. listeners, Yeah, wherever you well, are. You know, you know how some pod... I mean, we need to wrap this up. But you know how some pod listeners have a name for their fans? Oh, Blanksters. We'd, blanksters? That's quite good. Yeah, yeah, Blanksters. I just thought of that. So we need to. So good night. G- goodbye, Blanksters. 
<laughs> wherever, wherever you are. Oh, or blankers. No, blankies. that sounds... No. Blankies sounds like a sort of... Like a barbershop quartet yeah. group. Blankers is, is better. Blankers yeah. sounds like we're accusing them of yeah. blanking all the time. Yeah, that's Blankers. true. Blankers, Blankers makes it like, sounds like they're on board. Okay. Anyway, so I'm going to do it properly this time. Okay. Good night, Blanksters. Wherever you are. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is a Blast Box Media Podcast.